since we're releasing this episode a few days before what would be the late, great Donald Pleasance's 100th birthday on October 5th, the Lord, the King, and myself would like to take this moment to dedicate this episode to the memory of our Dr. Loomis, Donald Pleasance. Somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't. We thank you so much for hitching a ride along with us today. I'm your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and with me as always are my two esteemed co-hosts. I'm David King of the Road. And I am the Lord Ketchum. Alright, hitchhikers, happy October from us here on the highway. Woohoo! Yeah, we are celebrating This Is Halloween Month, where we are reviewing all 11 installments of a Halloween franchise over the course of six episodes, starting today, October 1st, going all the way to Halloween Day, October 31st, and this episode, episode 20, will cover the first two movies in the franchise, John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978 and Halloween 2 from 1981. Alright, Lord. Alright, everybody. Here it comes. The classic. The original. Yes. 1978. Halloween. Come on out. Halloween. The night he came home. Rated R. Fifteen years after the gruesome murder of his sister, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital to return to Haddonfield so he can go on a killing spree and to wreak havoc on Halloween night. All right, guys. I'm going to say spoilers ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> that not. is definitely yeah. a warning because yeah. even if you're a hardcore Michael Myers fan, we may spoil something for you. Yeah, right. that's possible. Who knows? We, we know these movies. Yeah, we might have a couple tricks up our sleeves here. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Maybe. Maybe. The Halloween fan base is true. It is rabid. It is ravenous. It is real. So, yeah, you ever go to a convention, you can tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's relevant. So I just want to say, from the moment we hear that first piano key strike of John Carpenter's iconic theme music that he composed in four days, mind you, and he totally credits the scores from Suspiria and Exorcist's influencers, but you pair that with that title sequence where you get slowly zooming in on the jack-o'-lantern eventually goes black you have begun on a journey of terror yes absolutely i absolutely agree it is gives me the shivers it does it absolutely does it is it's dark it's ominous 
It's like it just everything about that open just says beware, keep out, do not enter. Yeah. You know, I love it. And I think what you alluded to with the first strike of that keyboard on the the entrance. I mean, even if you're not familiar, maybe the first time you ever heard it, walking through a room, you know, where it's on TV, it would it would stop it, you and make you look. It sends a shiver up your spine. Yes. yes, sir. Absolutely, it does. I agree with that. And the best time to watch Halloween is obviously in the fall. Yeah. Because when you get that, you know, that dusk, yep. the air changes, yeah, Christmas the Easter morning, yeah. Huh? yeah. Then, you, then you listen to that song. I don't know. There's something extra to it. You know? It's special, man. It, it's the sounding of the, here it is. Yeah. It's Halloween time. Is it too nerdy? To admit that I actually have driven around town multiple times with that theme song playing, just, you know, no. on one of those fall nights, it's no. looking around, you know, slowly and just like creeping almost, around the neighborhood. Almost getting that, like, in the moment of I'm Michael Myers driving through fucking Heavenfield. <laughs> Don't drive too fast because, yeah. you know, speed kills, jerk. Hey, jerk! Speed kills! <laughs> <laughs> But did you all know that uh, John Carpenter, he was a huge fan of the uh, Canadian slasher uh, flick from uh, Bob Clark, uh, Black Christmas from 1974. Yeah. And John Carpenter asked Bob Clark if he could write a sequel to the film, and he received permission. And the script eventually evolved into a separate project inspired by this film. Yeah, thank God. (laughs) Yeah, so... Couldn't imagine life without Halloween. Right. And they accused the uh, design on the hand of the, the cover for Halloween of being the face of the woman oh, yeah. being covered. Oh, yeah. Plastic plastic the mysterious from... hidden hand. The face. There is yeah. a face. It's, there is a face. So, it's yes. pretty It's pretty believable. You, you but take... it's also like a good coincidence that I think I it's believe. intentional because yeah. if you yeah. take a still shot of... Well, I'm looking at it right now. You're wearing like, right, a shirt. Right, I know. I'm, <laughs> wear, I'm wearing a shirt, yes. But you take a still shot from Black Christmas of, you know, the the girl that gets the plastic over her right. head. It's, you mm-hmm. know, sucked in. And you look at the hand holding the knife on the cover art of Halloween. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. I've seen them side by side. Yeah. yeah. And it is close. It is really, really close. I think it's too close for a coincidence. All right. I think it's intentional. Right. And I'm okay with that. Agreed. But uh, the original title sequence was going to actually be a long shot of sidewalk going through one of the neighborhoods in Haddonfield, ending with a Halloween mask in the gutter. And uh, they dropped that idea, obviously, and they used the iconic jack-o'-lantern in the black open, which I I feel... Is the better choice, obviously. Even though this idea for an open intrigues me. Oh, I'd like to see it. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I really, I gotta give a lot of credit here to John Carpenter because he elevated low-budget horror cinema with just a simple story to an unheard level of artistic mastery. Like, it, the way this is shot, you could tell there's a care, there's a love. The way this movie was shot and the way that it's presented, you could just tell that, I mean, I know I've heard and I know you guys have probably heard in numerous different interviews that John Carpenter has famously said he just wanted to make a movie. Yeah. And you could tell they just wanted to make a movie and they wanted to do the best they could with what they had and I... <laughs> they made chicken salad out of chicken shit. My God. Yeah. Probably arguably the best chicken salad ever. That's would <laughs> You know? But, uh, you know, and that's the thing about this because obviously this is now regarded as a, you know, classic slasher. Arguably could be considered the, you know, the beginning of the slasher subgenre depending upon where you want to Right. Side with, yeah. you know, if you want to side Texas with this Chainsaw or, or something like yeah, that, maybe yeah. Texas Chainsaw or Friday Thirteenth. You know, there's there's a lot of no, different camps in that. Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Friday Thirteenth or anything. Okay, uh, 
And I'll say there's a lot of different, you know, camps in that. And uh, I don't know. I think they all have some valid arguments, you know. But this was this was not meant to be a slasher. This was supposed to be just a standalone movie, just a suspenseful, scary movie taking place on one night. Yeah, you know. I, I suppose he didn't expect to hit a grand slam with this like he did, and had no. Well, he did well with the you know assault. Well, yeah, 13. but he didn't knock it out of the park like this. I mean, no. Right. Yeah, no, this was a whole new was, level. Yeah. Right. This is what he's known for. I mean... Right. Yep. This amazing opening shot that we end up getting as a point of view perspective, which is from our unknown assailant at the time. Uh, We see him spying through a window on on a girl and a young man. They go upstairs, make very, very brief... Very brief. Coitus. He didn't have have time for that. No. Or... I mean... Maybe he did. You know, maybe that's all the time he needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to undress pretty fast. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Editing. We'll call it editing restraints, right, right? right? We have time restraints. I'll call it adolescence. <laughs> ah, there you go. It's actually, a lot of people had thought that this was one single shot. It's actually three different shots. Uh, I think the, the first break is once the mask is picked up. Right. And then I think right after Judith is killed, when going downstairs, I think that's when Well, it's when the, when the parents come up oh, and okay. t- take off the mask on okay. Michael and stuff. But yeah, anyway, this is a great... It, Michael? I mean, it, it, Michael? <laughs> no, this is a well-edited. Yeah. It's just so smooth. And it looks like a continuous shot. You yeah, know? It's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's a nice little cut right there. Yeah, it really is. Man. Did That's you know what the uh, the stabbing sound effect was for this? No, um, I don't. <laughs> it was a watermelon. Oh, it was a knife stabbing a watermelon. That sounds right. For bonus, do it. you all know what Alfred Hitchcock used for Psycho? Oh, it's also a melon. Great food. Cantaloupe. Negative. Cassava. I don't even know what that is. It's it's a different type of melon. Now you know. (laughs) Google it. Highway, do you guys know what a cassava is? (laughs) Yeah, it's a melon. The mayor said so. But uh, just going back to, you know, the Michael, where we get kind of a freeze frame shot. How stunned do you think audience goers were when they first found out that this person that just savagely stabbed this girl in her room was this little boy? Yeah. How I mean I mean at that time I mean the point of view perspective that you know that type of shot was not really used that much and this really no there's only a few things that, that would um, say that it was a young child you know the height of when he's at the drawer to get the knife out it's yeah. not that you know there's not really that much but you're not thinking that hard about but that you're not that right exactly. exactly exactly but once you get that <laughs> reveal and you see it's this. Little, little boy in the clown costume that looks very confused and just kind of in a daze, kind of disconnected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's, I mean, I guess from what I understand in 78, that was, that was a lot for yeah. uh, viewers to take on at that time. Yeah. It no, wasn't it still anything. still could be. I mean, sure. Yeah. It's a pretty sensitive topic. Well, obviously, it, obviously the mom didn't have any, you know, <laughs> concern. 
or anything. She I just stood there. Dude, I hate <laughs> how she move. just stands there. She's shoving her hands in her pockets with this look and like has this body language and says, I fucking know it, you little shit. I knew it was you, you know? <laughs> it and, was like the actors like just did like a like a freeze frame. Yeah. You know? Yeah. On know. on the on the, the zoom out. Yeah. Right. Well they didn't even know what he'd done yet. I mean they just saw him with a bloody knife. But. Right. I yeah, mean, but I mean if my child has got a knife I'm going to be asking more questions than just you know, standing I will be there. asking a question. We're going to be in two, that front door in you know, two seconds exactly, or less dude. because we're going yeah. to be like, what the fuck have you done? <laughs> and running you out. come with me right now, young man. There's not going to be a standing, <laughs> staring contest. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But uh, that's the thing, though. That point that's of view shot. Opening, yeah, it is. Oh, it's a it's, great opening. Well, way more effective than the one they remade, oh. in my opinion. I, I like the fact that he is just... You know, an unknown child that went mental one night. Okay. Just I that. Like, I like it better. I hear you, man. I respect that. Then the backstory? No, then the Rob Zombie story. Oh, that's yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need all that. Okay, well, okay. we'll get into that. Yeah, I know, but, but I just we'll get it was relevant at this point, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, so something I want to kind of talk about here, and I'm the only reason why I bring this up is because the version I watched this for this rewatch and take notes, I watched the extended version where it had the uh, extra footage that they Aww. filmed during Halloween 2, uh, so when they put it on TV for regular television. In the uh, hospital? Well, that. yeah, but it's it's the there's extra scenes in this. There's a, there's a scene where, before we have the scene with Loomis and Marion in the, the car going to mm-hmm. Smith's Grove, uh, there's a shot with Loomis in like a... a like conference an audi- room. Yeah, an auditorium. With oh, Tom yeah, Scott yeah, I've with seen two that. doctors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's actually uh, the next scene that I, you actually get with this version, and uh, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, obviously, you said you seen. Have you seen this version all the way through with all the, uh, the I extra watched, scenes? I watched it on the internet. Okay, and I, I didn't. I didn't for this uh, rewatch. I watched it on my VHS, the original second, theatrical. Yeah, the second. Okay. Now, if you had gotten the uh, blockbuster VHS back in the day, I have it. You do. Yeah, well, that's the one that has the extended. Scene oh, it does. Out. Yes, it oh, does. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't watch that one. That's I watched why my it was uh, kind second of a special print media. Media. That's yeah. why it's kind of a special one. Yeah, you should watch that one. Okay. No, I, I like it as far as being like the definitive cut in this timeline of the Halloween, you know, franchise. That is, that's the version to watch of the original, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, you get some more scenes in there, and you can kind of tell that even though they did the best they absolutely could trying to do everything they could with continuity, you could just tell that this footage was newer and a yeah. little more polished mm-hmm. than the 78 footage. Um, I'm not going to say that it was like super distracting because it does add more depth and element to the story, but um, there, it, you notice it. It's, oh, yeah. it's there. So I'm just curious, do you like the extended version better than the theatrical, or do you have a preference, or do you like the OG? OG. I, I've never seen it through. Oh, okay. I guess I haven't watched the extended cut. So. Okay. Yeah, it's... I just, I've watched the pieces of it. I understand. Okay. You know, there's days I decide I want to watch this in either the highest definition quality, I can watch it on my Blu-ray, mm-hmm. or I can watch... a. Slightly diminished quality version of it, the the extended cut, and get those extra scenes. I mean, sometimes I'll choose that. Okay, yeah. so you kind of pick your own adventure within picking yeah. your own adventure. Yeah, perfect for the Halloween series. Movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. I tell you what, that is something I do kind of like about this franchise that they have kind of taken on this approach. I think it's interesting. Your hat is like. 
they they kind of backed themselves into well, you know, yeah, a with wall part six they yeah, absolutely so. did, but we'll get <laughs> into that. To, they had to <laughs> in the next yeah. few weeks. So the the actual next scene in the theatrical cut is the scene where Loomis and Nurse Marion, played by Nancy Stevens, they're in the car driving to Smith's Grove Sanitarium, and they're you know they're t- discussing how to handle Michael Myers for a upcoming uh, court hearing. Up through the breakout scene. This is so freaking good. I love this scene. I love the dialogue between Donald Pleasance and Nancy Stevens. You could just tell, like, Loomis is this... I mean, he's kind of haggard. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. He's... I don't, I don't say he's necessarily, you know, at his wit's end, but you could tell, like, he... The stress of having Michael Myers as a patient for him and knowing what he knows about him being this embodiment of pure evil that mm. there is no explanation for. Yeah. You know, it's starting to wear on him, you can tell, and he's so convicted, you know, and she's talking about, like, well, what am I going to give him? And I think he's at Thorazine, Thorazine and yeah. however much, and he's like, well, she, he's not even going to be able to sit up. He's like, that's the idea. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's, he's like... He's pretty like, much just done with it yeah. and everything. Yeah. I, I love transfer. I love that scene. And then when they get up there and they pull up and you see all the, the white gowns out there in the field wandering around and then you get the the, music. the theme music coming in and it's kind of like, oh shit, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah. You know, you don't even know what's happening, but you're like, you're tensing up, man. You just like, where is he? What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, it's, I love it. I, I think that, I mean, as far as, you know, we get this awesome opening shot you know, with Michael Myers as a kid when he kills Judith, I I, I really like this scene as a follow up. You know he's escaping. You know, right? You, you just know it, and it's going to be cool. And it is cool. It they, is when they're driving up and they see all those, you know, the loose patients and everything. That's creepy. That is creepy as shit. Yes, it is. If I was driving on a back road, you know, in the woods, and I'm not getting out. Rain down, and I seen that, I I would I. I wouldn't get out either. I would just stop, back up, and get the hell out of there. Not would, today, because you know we have cell phones. It. I'd yeah. record it. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd make a phone call like right. over in the next town or something. Right. You know, yeah, I'm not getting out. Yeah, I agree with you, man. That is actually that's a. I mean, especially with the the theme music kicking in at the same mm-hmm. time, man, it is so unnerving and it's 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 scary. Like first time I saw it, it like that scared me. It sent a chill down my spine. So the patients are out there. Everybody's scattered. Loomis is looking for Michael. They stop the car. And, you know, he pulls the, I guess it's a very cliche thing now, you know, stay in the car. Yeah. He goes up to, like, the phone or something. Yeah. Wait. Check on everything. (laughs) Wait right here. (laughs) All of a sudden you see Cat Michael Myers coming in hot. Climbing up over the back of the car. Yeah. Like Spider-Man or some shit. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. It's good. I like it. <clears throat> His dexterity's got to be crazy, yeah. man. You know, because it's raining yeah. and all that shit. And everything. Yeah, he ain't no shoes no on. Shoes. Just in a hospital <laughs> gown. Just... I'm glad we didn't see his junk because, I mean, I could see that popping up in that. Yeah, way he's weird. jumping over the, yeah, the point of view. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be weird. But yeah, I really like it where, you know, Marianne, she's in there and she realizes, you know, and she starts rolling and down the window and he reaches in and starts pulling at her and then she gets away and she backs up to the other side of the car and then you see the hand come down and then smash on the glass. And I guess what they did was they they uh, they attached a, a metal wrench to Nick Castle's hand and they painted it like flesh colored. So he actually struck the window right. with that wrench. Yeah. 
And I'll tell you, I, I've, I've never seen it. I've tried yeah. to pay. I've really paid attention to try to see, and I really can't see anything. Yeah, yeah. you know. So again, kudos to them on that. But uh, he's yeah. staying the injuries, man. Cuts. Maybe. Huh? Don't think so. Minor. Day in the life of a stuntman, I guess. Yep. There you go. <laughs> what you signed on to do? <laughs> no, but that's a great. It's a great scene. I love it. Yeah. And he jumps out, and or she jumps out, and. He jumps in and starts driving away. You're like, take off. Damn. Hell yeah. Okay. Then Loomis shows up and he's like, what the hell did you let him take a car for? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Why'd you roll down the window? Come on. I told you to stay in the car. He's gone from here. The evil is gone. The evil is gone. I thought he was going to smack her. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Donald Pleasance, God rest his soul. Amazing. I love this guy. He, He is the one... Horror icon that I wish I could have I could have got to meet. I, I just I don't know. There's just something about Donald Pleasance, you know him playing Doctor Loomis and all the movies that he did, even in his other performances, you know with John Carpenter and otherwise. I don't know. He's he's so good at what he does. I just agree. an awesome actor and everything I've heard about him. He's just nothing but pure class, professional, and a gentleman. I think I'd want to meet Peter Cushing. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd, that's who I'd meet. Yeah, what do you do? Cool. I'm, I'm Pleasance all the way. Pleasance? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, as a kid, like, such a fan of this guy. I mean, yeah, he was he was my number one. I'd love to meet this guy. Yeah. When he died, uh, I don't know if I've told you that story, Matt, where we were coming to school. My mom was driving me to school, and uh, on the radio, it was talking about the news, you know, in the world. And then I was starting to tell my mom about a, a bad dream I'd had the night before, which was legit. I had a bad dream the night before where I'm in, like, just the, cl- you know, foggy street, and I'm being chased by Michael Myers. And Dr. Loomis comes up and grabs me and sends me that way he's coming from. And he faces Michael into the fog, and then, I don't know, the way I remember it, it sounded like he was dying, kind of like the end of part six yeah really okay and then it's crazy we're riding to school and over the radio comes the news that he had died the previous night and i was just like that's really 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 random because i was just getting ready wow. to like, explain that scary dream to my mom wow and dude. i stopped and i was like what are they talking about dude i just got goosebumps well, that's why i was Damn. that was one of my first like supernatural happening things that i questioned that's too big of a coincidence to be a coincidence yeah dude you never told me that never told wow me. True story. Dude, that is... That's crazy. Wow. Donald Pleasance is a man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I dreamed about him the night he died. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I didn't even know he was dead. Right. Oh, man. True story. That's, that's nuts. Carry on. Yeah. Um, but uh, Donald Pleasance, he worked on the this, the set for only five days for 20 grand, and he's only in the movie for just over 18 minutes in the original version, not right. the extended version. That's yeah, proper. He adds... I mean... It's not Loomis's story. It's right, Laurie's story. It's Laurie's story yeah. in this one, right? But Lord, uh, kind of going back to what you're talking about, uh, you said uh, Peter Cushing. Uh, John Carpenter approached Peter Cushing to play uh, Loomis, but he yeah. turned him down, uh, basically because it was too uh, low a pay. And yeah, uh, he was knocking out hammer shit left and right, you know, during this time and stuff. He also approached uh, Christopher Lee. And yeah. Lee ended up saying at some point later on that this was the biggest mistake that he had ever made in his career, was turning down John Carpenter to play Dr. Loomis. It's interesting. Hmm. I can picture I think, him in that role better than Peter, Peter Cushing for some reason. I agree. I think Peter Cushing is too frail yeah. for me. I agree with you okay. on that, King. But Christopher Lee okay. would have been, would have been an interesting take, though. 
It would have been yeah. a very interesting take. And I think that really speaks volumes about the career that he had with different franchises mm-hmm. and he, with, with the successes that he had with the Hammer films to yeah. say that turning this down was the biggest mistake in his career. I would I would still go with Peter Cushing. Really? Little, yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Christopher Lee is, you know, he's more tall. He's tall, and he has a very distinct accent. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I just don't think. I don't. I don't see it. You'd see too much of Dracula, and yeah. the Gothic horror, maybe. Okay, yeah. I hear you, man. I could see it going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And Donald Pleasance was prepared to turn John Carpenter down until his daughter convinced him to uh, take the role because she was such a fan of uh, the assault of Precinct yeah. on Precinct Thirteen yeah. from '76. Uh, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal movie. But here's some other names that were actually considered for Dr. Loomis. Peter O'Toole, Mel Brooks, Stephen huh. Hill, Walter Matthau, Jerry Van Dyke. I could see Walter Matthau doing this. That would be interesting. It's tough sell for me. I could see it. That would be interesting. Have you seen him do like serious roles? That's where I'm that's where I'm at the tough sell, no. Because I know where you're at. You're seeing him grumpy old yes, man. Yeah, yeah. Tough sell. yeah, I know that's where you're coming from. Uh, here's another Lawrence Tierney, Kirk Douglas. I think that was maybe a reach. Hmm. That might have been a wish. John Belushi. No. Yeah, I don't, I see, don't that see that. Either. I don't either. I uh, love John Belushi, but yeah, know. I don't see it. Lloyd Bridges, Abe Vigoda, Chris Christopherson, Sterling Halen, Hayden, David Carradine, Dennis Hopper, Charles Napier, Yul Brenner, and Eddie Bunker. They had this many people on their wish list. Considered. Dennis they were Hopper, considered. That, could be, that would be wild. Pretty sweet. Yeah. I could see... 78 Hopper. Holy shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That would have been interesting. But obviously, you know, this movie is known for being what they refer to as a slow burn film. There's a, there's a line of thought that the fact that it is a slow burn, and it's such a slow burn, that it hurts the rewatchability. Does that affect any rewatchability for you guys? No, no, because the score of this movie goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, it keeps you in it. You know, it just sets the tone on each individual scene. Yeah, but if you're someone that wants to see action start to finish, this this one, once you've seen it once, you're waiting for a long time for the parts you want to see. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you already know the story altogether, so it's kind of a... Right. I think what separates this from just being a slow burn, because there's plenty of movies that are slow burns that aren't good. This is a slow burn that is good, because John Carpenter is such a master, even at, you know, with this being like his third movie, third or fourth movie, you know, with his camera angles and what he's doing with him and the story that he's telling and the dialogue that's going on, you know, the conviction that, you know... Donald Pleasance has behind, you know, his his words as Loomis. I think that's I think that's the difference. And for me, being a slow burn, obviously, that doesn't bother me. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta want you gotta create the the care for these characters. You want to be able to care for Loomis. You want to be able to worry about Lori. You know, so you need that character depth. And, yeah. You know, this is you gotta build you gotta put it in. I get it, you know. For rewatchability, though, that's the that's the problem. I mean, you're you're waiting for the so you, okay, yeah, the grand finale because you know you but already know everything. It's so worth it's it. worth rewatching. I'm not saying it's not worth rewatching. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not as favorable. 
So in you, my opinion, so you do acknowledge that it does actually, to a degree, for you at least, it yep. does affect rewatchability. Definitely does. Okay, fair enough. Hmm. For me, it, I don't think it does because I, I, for me, that's that's everything about this movie. It's it's the subtleties, it's the the little nuances and the stuff that's in the background, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know the not only the visual cues but the audio cues that go along with it. it's it's just it's so well crafted. I I don't know. To me, this movie it never bores and it never disappoints me. And yeah, but that's me. He adds a dash of humor, you know. Oh yeah, the movie and right. It's enough to keep me locked in. Yep, and everything. You know, and, and you know, I want to get to the ending. So, right. You know, but I I enjoy watching the characters you know build up their depth and everything. And right. And this would be a great movie to watch with somebody that's never seen it before and doesn't right. know how. Right. The story even starts, so... Good luck finding somebody. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, that's that would be more of a thrill to rewatch this, maybe, than other sequels, but... Yeah. Rewatching it on my own, just to rewatch it, it it's tough, so... I got you. But I love it. It's not me discrediting it. I got you. The actual, uh, the original script for this uh, had the events taking place over uh, quite a few days, and uh, budget restraints obviously changed that and uh, they changed it to everything happening on one day which also would minimize costume changes and things like that hair makeup yeah. makes everything a little more simpler all the cast they wore their own they wore their own clothes yep. and they decided on Halloween because it's the scariest damn night of the year and it's the perfect night why not the car that uh, Michael stole oh the uh, the station was, wagon wasn't that Nick Castle's Car or was that Carpenter's? Um, no, Carpenter's. I think that was Nick Castle's actually. That might have been Nick Castle's. I can't remember. I John Carpenter's car. It was used by somebody, and I can't remember who it was. But yeah, it, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, when I, it escapes they, me right now. But you could tell that John Carpenter and company they did their absolute best to make Pasadena, California, in the summer look like fictitious Haddonfield, Illinois, in the fall. I want to know. Do you guys does the look of this movie, the look, the feel of it, does it capture Halloween, fall, autumn for you guys? Enough. Enough? Um, it's passable. I know that they had to redo all the, reuse the leaves and everything and spray paint them or whatever. Right. Um, but, I mean, it, it's enough. Okay. I, As a younger viewer, when I first saw it, that didn't go on it. I was, I was sold into the fact that this is happening on, you know, Halloween Green. because Halloween, this is what yeah. I'm being told. Yeah, well, yeah, and I never really considered. Oh, is the yeah. setting right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a lousy on, and yeah, I didn't pay attention to that shit. So. Right, and that's how I saw it the first, you know, right, fifteen times I probably saw it. Okay, I, I'm with you know. Yeah, I noticed the palm tree, you know, that's like yeah. right out in the front yard of the Myers house. You could tell the way they framed it. They did it across the street to where there was like a telephone pole or something that was obstructing the view that was right in front of it. Right. Again, that's just like, I, that's that's genius Perfect. stuff. But like I said, with the budget they had for the location they they were in, man, you did right. a damn fine job. Yeah, You really did. It's passable. This looks like any regular suburb to me. But John Carpenter considered hiring Jamie Lee Curtis uh, it was the ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, which he was a huge fan yeah. of, obviously. And, uh, which, obviously, Psycho, given uh, Jamie Lee's mother, Janet Lee, her legendary status. Yes. And uh, Jamie Lee was paid $8,000 for her role. 
first feature role in this movie. It's not bad for, you know, so it was like 77 when they shot it. Yeah. Eight grand. Your, you know, your family's already got some money, so that's all right. For the first gig, shit. And it worked out. (laughs) Yeah, it worked out just fine. (laughs) So the next scene, if you're watching the... Again, the extended cut. Uh, this is another add-in scene at this point where you're back at Smith's Grove where Loomis sees the word, uh, the word sister carved into the wall in Michael Myers' uh, room from where he escaped. That actually cuts pretty well into the regular scene where Loomis and Dr. Wynn are coming out of Smith's Grove arguing about, like, well, you know, how, where did he learn to drive? And, right. you know, he must have taken lessons somewhere or something, but... Um, Somebody around him must have gave him lessons. Right. He was doing a good job of it last <laughs> night. <laughs> Dude, Donald Pleasance is so awesome. His rants are just, they're epic. Yeah. All of them are. I love them. But yeah, no, I, I thought that was a nice transition. Obviously, once again, you could tell that the, you know, the the newer 81 footage versus the 78 footage. Well, now let me ask this. This okay. was filmed in the time frame that the second movie was being filmed. Right. Is this for the intention of putting things into the first film to, to cue you into the sister story? I think it might have been a little bit of that, but I think more of it was because of the runtime of the movie and how many edits they were going to have to be for I it to be that. a they TV said televised movie. They needed to add in some That's stuff. That's the quote-unquote reason why they added them in. But right. They were filming the second movie right around this time. I'm sure the script was written. Yeah. I'm sure somebody along the way said, hey, we should throw some... Oh, no, absolutely. And you can tell, story. I mean, with this scene right here, perfectly, yeah. where the word sister is carved into that, because you don't get that until anything, any inkling of that, of a motivation, right. until part two in 81. Right. So, no, I agree with you. I think it's a little bit of that, and I also think it's, you know, we need a little more to well, stretch out a runtime for a TV audience with commercials. They had no intentions on making a second one of these. When yeah. this was made, yeah. Right. The when first, they extended yeah, it. No, yeah. Right, yes. But no, I agree with you. It was, I think it was, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a layup to that. But if I've learned anything in movies that have a scene with a main character, is in a classroom during a lecture, pay attention to what the teacher's saying. Well, she did. Because no, I'm talking as a viewer. Oh, okay. Pay attention to what the teacher's yeah. saying because it's relevant to what's going on oh, yeah, in this right. movie, and this movie is no different than that. Uh, the teacher's talking about fate, and basically, no matter what you do, how you try to intervene or alter, what's going to be is going to be, yeah. no matter what. Which ultimately is talking about this showdown with Michael yeah. Myers. Fate caught up with several lives here. No matter what course of action Collins took, he was destined to his own fate. So, yeah, that's could be. But this is another scene that has been riffed off of, parried, parodied, homaged for years and for years to come. Yeah. You know, um, when you get to see Michael Myers standing across the road, looking in at Lori in the classroom. Ah, it's so creepy. You get the that. What is it? They call it Lori's theme. Is that the yeah. theme music for that? I think. Do do yeah. Where it's just yeah, it's just it's so creepy. And then and then you go away and you come back and he's gone and the car's gone and it's just the stuff that you see in all the movies now. Right. The reason why you see all of these like commonplace tropes and you know scenarios. It's because of this damn movie. Yeah. You know, this movie 
I don't I, I, I stand by what I said in our Friday the thirteenth review. Halloween laid the groundwork, I think, by Friday the thirteenth duplicating aspects of this movie that Victor Miller thought worked by that duplication, Friday the thirteenth created subgenre for slashers. That's just me. No. But um yeah, this movie there's so many things that happen in this movie that you're like Oh, so that's where this movie got that from. Or, oh, they obviously they were referencing this, mm-hmm. you know. But we get the scene where we see poor little Tommy Doyle. He's being picked on by the bullies. <laughs> tell him that the boogeyman's going to get him. They push him over on top of his pumpkin, bust it all to hell. Been there, Tommy. <sighs> He's going to get you. He's going to get you. <laughs> oh, kids are assholes. Yeah. You know it. And then is is it Lonnie that like as he's running off is it is he the one that Michael stops and you see him just looking up and you don't really see Michael's face you just see him from the neck down is, is it, it Lonnie is that, I think is it Lonnie I would like to think it's Lonnie because I would think so too because he's referenced later in yeah. the movie so I, I think maybe it was yeah, okay I yeah. like that if it is I don't know hitchhikers let us know if we're wrong let us know but we're gonna go with it uh, it's Lonnie hold on and he needed to get his ass away from there. <laughs> But uh, Nick Castle, he admitted that the only reason that he accepted the opportunity was to be on set was just to see what goes on when you're directing a film. And um, he kind of wanted to, uh, in his words, demystify the directing experience for him because, you know, John Carpenter was a friend of his. And they were shooting most of where this was being filmed was near his house. So he's like, well, I'll just be on set. Yeah. And then John Carpenter was like, well, if you're going to be here, why don't you be the guy walking around in the suit, in the mask? Sounds good to me. And that's how it happened. Works good. Uh, And then Nick Castle, he went on to have a pretty decent directing career. Had some popular movies, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Just He was just kind of hanging out. And they're like, oh, hey, well, you know, since you're going to be here, why don't you just end up taking on this iconic role? Yeah unbeknownst to everybody on set. It's pretty neat how that stuff works out. Carpenter liked the way he walked. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's something to be said that whenever there's close or physical contact with a bad guy, serial killer type, uh, like Michael Myers, when there's children around, like Mm -hmm. in the scene where Lonnie (laughs) is running off and he stops him Mm -hmm. and he just kind of stands there and they kind of have a stare off a little bit. It makes you uneasy. At least it makes me uneasy a little bit. It's kind of like, are they going to do something or not? You know, nah. and you kind of, you kind of feel like I don't think anything not is. In those days. No, well, I agree with you, but even still, they gave there was a moment oh, yeah, of you doubt. Thought about it. Yeah, there was a moment of doubt. Sure. Like, is he going to mess this kid up or something? He's following you know? him. You know? Yeah, he's yeah. stalking. Absolutely, and it's creepy, man. It's so creepy, and that's the thing. It's in the daytime. Mm-hmm. It's all in the daytime, in your neighborhood. Michael Myers don't give a fuck, dude. He don't care. He's straight slaying. He don't care. No, His but that's goal the goal is to kill. Yep, absolutely. Period. That's it, dude. Yep, and that's the thing I think it's so interesting about this movie itself is that mystery of what's going on underneath the mask and what's going on in you know his mind with his mannerisms, his body language. You know, I, I feel that that's something, and I think it kind of goes back with it being a bit of a slow burn movie. I feel like that's something that's a bit undervalued and lost with some of today's audiences. You know, mm-hmm. I, I a lot of newer audiences I've kind of gathered they like part two 
better than part one because part two gives you... Don't get me started. Well, we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to start you oh, up. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of newer audiences that like the sequel, part two, better than the first one because it gives you more... Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, well, you know, it sets a better pace. It's right in the action. It's like watching well, the, right at the end of it. You know, it's full on action. That's how you right. start it's, it. It's like I mean, watching what are you gonna do? Avengers Endgame after watching Infinity War. Right. You know, I mean, you're, you, the table is set. <laughs> yes. We're going to see some action nonstop now. Right. Get go. That's yeah. that's where the slow burn affects me on the first one. I got you. The second one is right into the action. Fair enough. Right now, here time. Got a nice little did you know here? There is another future horror icon that was on set that revealed that in an interview John Carpenter had him throw bags of dead leaves on set for one day. Does anybody know who the actor was? Hmm. To throw dead leaves on set. Yeah, for just one day. Future horror icon. Future Yes. horror icon. Robert England. Nailed it. Oh, really? Yep. Sweet. Really? Oh, right, yes. Cool. Awesome. Robert a good guess. England. Guess. Yeah. yeah. Guessing. Shit. Yep. <laughs> on one one day, he was out there gathering up leaves, throwing them out awesome. there on set. Pretty Get cool. out there and throw some. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. I thought that was a neat little. Did you leave, know Freddy? They couldn't use him as an extra in the background for a badass Easter egg that they had no idea what they were getting into. Why couldn't he have been Bob? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would just love to have him in there as an extra, though. Yeah, I mean, that would be neat. Yep. But we're finally introduced to our trio of leading ladies. We get Lori Strode, Linda Vanderclock, and Annie Brackett. Uh, PJ Souls obviously plays Linda. Jamie Lee Curtis is Lori and Nancy Loomis. Future, to be known as Nancy Keys, plays Annie Brackett. Um, I love the scene with them walking through the neighborhood just kind of talking about their lives, school, yeah. what they're going to do, going natural. to the dance. Yeah. And this was, I mean, and this is all hats off to Deborah Hill because, you know, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter wrote the script, and John pretty much stuck to the Michael Myers, Doctor Loomis side of things, right. and Deborah Hill stuck to the Laurie Strode and the, you know, the girls, the high school teenage babysitter aspect. That's awesome. We segregated directions here, then. Yeah, well, it okay. worked. It did. It, it did. did work. And that's it, cool to know. Well, everybody know knew their role. Well, and that's the thing. Like you said, like it's it seems so natural and organic. Yeah. You know, and I agree yeah. with you. It does. I mean, it just seems like some high school girls just talking about life. Yeah. John. John doesn't know what's going on. He's just shooting. Everyday, He's just directing. Everyday girls' lives. Yeah. Know, exactly. Right. No, that's genius. On, so. Because right. No, it's it's great. That's really, I mean, human nature that we all try to deny is that you know women are. Better at figuring, you know, some things out. And yep. And everybody knows, you know, these three girls, you know. Not necessarily these three, but somebody like these right. three, you know. Right. I agree with you on that. You got the ditzy one. You got, you know, the regular one. And you got the Then you got the, 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 you got the one. shy one. Right. You know, and everything, so. Yep. But uh, John Carpenter actually wrote the role for Linda, uh, of Linda, for PJ Soul specifically after seeing her performance in Carrie from 76, yeah. uh, directed by Brian De Palma. And, uh, King, I got a little, another cool little nugget of information that I'm wondering if you know. During the sequence, there is a romance novel called One Love Forever that is seen in Linda's bag. Do you know who the author of that book was? 
<laughs> I have no idea. Well, it's a name you're very familiar with. Ooh, there you go. Christine King. Is it really? Christine King. Yes. No shit. Wow. No shit. Yeah, my, you got me. <laughs> yes! Uh, I want to hear about yes! that. Yes! The man got the king. I yeah. got him. She listens to our podcast. I'm going to hear about that. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yep. thank you for that. No, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, that's going in the notes for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. I love the peekaboo we get in the bushes with Michael Myers standing out to the side. You know, Annie's fumbling around in her bag. Lori sees him, and she's like, hey, look, who's that? You know, and then he just strides off to the side, and he's off. He's gone. Yep. Oh, look. Look where? Behind the bush. I don't see anything. The guy who drove by so fast, that one you yelled at? Oh, subtle, isn't he? Oh, it's so good, man. That's the thing. That's the whole thing about this entire sequence. It's all in the daytime in yeah. your neighborhood, in yeah. your neighborhood, yeah. in my neighborhood. Can happen to anybody. That is why it's so effective. The realism, yeah. the natural layout, and just the mannerisms of the people involved. That's what makes this work. And, and the timing we... on the score is impeccable, too. Yes. I mean, when that music comes on, it's just the perfect moment. And it, it really saying, affects you know, it. During the slow burn times, the score carries yeah. the yeah. you know the scene. Right. Well, and that's the thing. When, when John Carpenter first you know, screened this for you know, distributors, it didn't have a score. And there was like, right. well, they were like, well, this isn't scary. Right. Well, then he added in the score. And it was like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. It's so amazing. I, I don't know. That's I, I think just these things that I don't know this that's why I love this movie. This movie yeah. is just it's timeless. It's absolutely timeless. But we get Lori running into Sheriff Brackett, played by Charles Cyphers, and we get the iconic line. It's Halloween. Everyone's <laughs> entitled to one good scare. <laughs> Got to meet Charles Cyphers uh yeah, back in two thousand sixteen a horror hound. And, God, was God, that long ago? Yeah. Jeez. That was our first one. Was it? Okay. 16. Dude, he was such a cool guy. So nice. I like him. You know, of course, I'm an Indians fan, and he, he was in the uh, Major League movie as the yep. uh, general manager. And, you <laughs> How know. about a series of fines for good play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yeah. The, <laughs> what is it like? How about a fifty thousand dollar bonus for a guy voted least valuable player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's such a good actor, and he was such a such a cool guy there at Horrorhound. I, I I'm grateful for meeting him. Him and uh, Nick Castle were set up right yep. next to each other right. that year. But uh, you will post some pictures on the Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. think between the three of us, we've got quite a few Halloween yeah. uh, alumni. Yeah, that we've met at Horrorhound. So we're yeah. building a show and tail catalog. Oh yeah. Make everybody jealous. <laughs> so we follow up the peekaboo in the bushes with a pretty another iconic peekaboo. Maybe stalkaboo? Is that a thing? Oh, definitely. Mm. <laughs> okay. Lurkaboo? Uh, Michael Myers. No, 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 you're digging now. Okay. Michael Myers is a bomb ass stalker. He's yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is. He's maxing out on the creepiness level yeah. for sure. But this is the scene where he's standing outside Lori's window in with the laundry, you know, flowing in the wind with the clothesline. And uh, just, again, nightmare fuel in broad yeah. daylight, man. That's hard to pull off. 
It's really hard and to pull impeccably off. timed uh, score. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, it's just boom, boom, boom. One thing right yeah. after another where you're just like, oh, that's creepy. Oh, and we're not even, right. it's not even 530 in the afternoon yet. <laughs> we're already scared shitless, people. You know? <laughs> it's, that's, it's amazing. That is, that is such a huge credit to John Carpenter and Deborah Hill and just everybody that was involved with making this movie. I wish they would release an edit of this without the sound. The way it was done. <laughs> just so I could watch it for that experience. I'm because sure I really guarantee. That. Oh, I'm sure. It'll be kind of laughable in spots where you're like, <laughs> yeah, that is weird without the music, you know? I mean, it just right. you're it would stick out and stuff, you know? Yeah, that would be weird. Kane, let me ask you something since you're a big fan of this stuff, you know? Um, in Lori's room, mm-hmm. during that shot, you get the um, Raggedy Ann doll. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that that's the, like, a like an homage to the doll itself? The evil fucking so. doll? Oh, Annabelle? Yeah. Oh. Because that would have been too fresh of a thing that was What wasn't, year was that? Well, it was, you know, in that Amityville era. I say it was 70s. Era, yeah. I thought. When they got it. I mean... I don't think, know exactly. Do you think it's just a regular yeah. doll in the background? It's or just because that that's a product of the time. Right on. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it now, that might that. actually be a future Easter egg reference in a future installment, I think. Right. But we'll get to, we'll yeah. save that for right. another day, too. But I, yeah. th- I think that might be a reference there to that. Mm-hmm. Going, to the, going the other way in the time continuum. Going into the future, I guess. <laughs> Which time? It's a bad movie you're talking about, so let's just not talk about that. <laughs> Which time? Well, we're gonna have about? to talk about it eventually. <laughs> yep. I don't wanna. Do <laughs> we have to? Quiet. But we uh, at this point we get another add-in scene with the extended cut where Linda comes over to Lori's house in a panic because she thought she was being followed mm. by that creep in the station wagon earlier. And she wants to borrow one of Lori's shirts, and then there's a phone call conversation with Annie during that. But it's just it's just banter back and forth of them talking, trying to make plans, and setting up dates with guys. Yep. you know, setting like, shit up for, for filler honest, for the TV you know? cut yeah. on right, you know, in '81. But uh, which is the first time I watched this? That that was the first time I ever watched it was on television. Mm. But they're setting up whenever Annie's going to come and get Lori, and whenever she does come and get her, uh, the music that's playing in the car is actually John Carpenter's band. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, cool. okay. I think it's oh, yeah. what is it? The I can't remember what they were called. I don't know. Uh, anyways, you guys know how I love subplots in movies, and we get one here from the Graveyard Keeper while he's leading Loomis to Judith Myers's. Oh, grave yeah. plot, yeah. where he's talking about Charlie Bowles over in Russellville. I want to know what else happened. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> I want to know yeah. what the hell happened after he picked that, what was yeah. it, an axe or a hatchet up? Somebody paid John Carpenter <laughs> you, you, you know. to tell the Can story. we get this in Halloween <laughs> Kills or Halloween Ends? Can we get a, a follow-up here to Charlie Bowles over Dude, in Russellville? At least Please. Like a, That'd least be like clutch a, if they did. That would be. I'll, like give, if, I'll give it like, that. Like if they're going through old newspaper... And then, like, you just see, like, an article. A mention. Yeah, a mention of it, you know. Give yeah, us something that'd be cool. So we could stop and, you know, look at it. And yeah. Everything, you know? That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that'd be, a, that'd be a really cool Easter egg. Please, come on, Carpenter. But hook the, Danny McBride up. Give him, give him a layup here, help yeah. him out. But just to think about the strength that Michael Myers would have had to have used to get that tombstone dug up. Uh, you know that single-handedly, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, that's 
That's he didn't, a, he didn't back the uh, he didn't back the station wagon up right to it, did he? Because I mean, I didn't see any tire marks in the grass there. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't pay attention that closely, but that's if a good I'd have point. been him, I'd have backed it right up to it. <laughs> I might have backed up over it to try to knock it loose, <laughs> right. you know. But I'm not Michael Myers. But I really like, you know, in the midst of stealing his sister's tombstone, he's also following Annie and Lori in the car while they're smoking dope. And uh, they go up to the Nichols Hardware store where uh, there was a break-in. And uh, Sheriff Brackett apparently can't smell weed smoke. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's totally oblivious. <laughs> the whole town smelled like it at that time, man. He can yeah. tell it from the net in the air outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's not smog. <laughs> but uh, if you pay attention in the background at the intersection, you know, behind them, you could see the uh, Smith's Grove station wagon yeah. sitting there. And uh, I, I love that. And then Loomis comes up and he wants to talk to, you know, right. Sheriff Brackett and you see the car, and he turns, and then he turns back, and it's so perfectly timed, yeah. and it's just like, ah, oh, it's so good. That's that's the stuff that that's one Carpenter of those things brings. that I swear to God, I probably don't remember noticing for the first fifteen or twenty times I, I watched agree. that movie. I'm with you, and then you know, because I mean, I watched it as a kid, and you don't you don't pay attention to that background right. stuff but as an adult. I was like, oh, that's cool. You're looking I've never for seen him. that. How have I never right. seen that? Yeah, you're looking for that yep. mask. You're looking for him. You're right. not looking for him in a vehicle. You're right. not. You're not tuned into that yet. You're not keyed right. in there. But I'm with you. I, it it was quite a few few views in before I was like, Wait "Son a of a bitch!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, they snuck that in on me. <laughs> you crafty bastard. <laughs> yep. But uh, so Lori and Annie, they go off to. She's gonna. Annie's going to drop off Lori, and they're going to go to their babysitting jobs. And the transition from daytime to nighttime is very abrupt. Boom. Yeah. Like, it's like, boom. It's nighttime. That kind of sucks, actually. You know, I'd like to have seen, like, a nice dusk, you know, sunset scene. I hear you. That way, it would have really sold the uh, the fall aspect, you know. Right. I really do believe that. I hear you. Yeah, it was pretty pretty abrupt and kind of done poorly. But, again... $300,000 budget, and, yeah. you know. Doing what you can. Right. Chicken salad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we kind of fast forward to uh, another really awesome and iconic scene, in my opinion, at least, where Loomis and Sheriff Brackett are in the old Myers house. And uh, earmuffs, dog lovers. <laughs> Michael Myers loves dogs, too. He loves eating them. Mm. So. They speculated it could have been a skunk. Delicious. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. Well, or no, they like, said a skunk got it. They said maybe a skunk got it. I apologize. Right. He's got to eat. Yeah. He's out in the wild right now. You know what Farmer Vince would say. Oh, for sure. Meat's meat. Man's got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Uh, I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason. No uh, conscience. No understanding. And even the most rudimentary sense of life or death of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, 
and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I love that. That is just an iconic monologue from Donald Pleasance. And it's repeated all the time. And it's, I don't know, it's just one of those things like every time I hear it, I get chills because the way he delivers it, his voice, there's just something about Donald Pleasance, man. He, he, he does it for me as far as being that guy yeah. with the information, that harbinger yeah. of doom that's going to be heroic and save the day. There's know? no replacing him with anybody you mentioned no. on that list previously. No. <laughs> I can't imagine it not being no. Donald Pleasance. Me either. Let me ask you a question. Okay. What what speech do you like better? This speech or Quinn's speech? Oh, the USS Indianapolis? Yes. I know you're a big Jaws fan. You're a big Halloween fan. Yeah. I, I'd what would have, you compare to? I'd, I'd have to put the USS Indianapolis over it. Ooh, it's just... There we go. I, right. it, that, there's just... I don't know. Question. I have to disagree, but okay. Okay. You know. Okay, cool. All right, no, that's that's a that's Again, a damn good score, question. With the score going on in the background yeah. of it, you know, bracket, pretty much scared shitless, you know, at this point, trying you know? to figure out what the hell is going on. Right? No, that's a that's a good question, man. But I I would have to go with Quint's USS Indianapolis speech and Jaws. Right on. Well, I can tell you the the Lord and the King are ganging up on you because. Uh oh. <laughs> both we both agree over here. That... <laughs> I've encroached. <laughs> that's all right. You know. <laughs> Two on ma- one match, here you want. <laughs> but uh, that story that Loomis tells uh, Sheriff Brackett was actually based upon uh, an experience that John Carpenter had while he was attending Western Kentucky University. His class vid- visited a mental institution, and he saw a boy that was basically the basis for that the blackest eyes, you know, the devil's eyes, you yeah. know. And this is what he saw in this boy at that institution when he was in college. So that's pretty interesting. But Donald Pleasant, he just, he owns every scene that he's in. He is at his best, Loomis, in this movie, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But did you know that Lindsay Wallace uh, is played by Kyle Richards, who is related to the Hiltons? Yes, those Hiltons. Uh, she was on the Real Housewives of the Beverly Hills, I guess. Also, I guess is that still running? I think I, I think I it is. Don't know. <laughs> I don't. wouldn't know that. So I didn't I even know that. that I don't fact. either. Yeah, so I'm happy that nobody at this table knows that. <laughs> right. I, I know it was a thing for a time, and I I, I, I didn't even know that, that show. Exists. I feel like Matt knows, but he's just not telling. <laughs> no, I I think it it might still be going on. I'm not sure. Yeah, you he do know. He's forced to watch it every Saturday night. <laughs> no. Quiet. <laughs> Letting my secrets out, damn it. But earmuffs again, dog lovers. Lester, the Wallace uh, family dog, gets choked to death. Is that what happens? Yeah. More or less? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah, he or his neck broke. I mean he Michael Myers does not like dogs. Well, maybe he does. Maybe he likes them a little too much. But I don't think he ate this one or no. tried to. This one was out of uh, you know, protection. And to shut him up. He was trying to fuck with him, and he's like, nope. Messing with my plans. Yep. So there's kind of like a unintentional foreshadowing here for John Carpenter's career because uh, we get to see the opening of The Thing when Laurie and Tommy are watching scary movies on TV. And 
obviously we all know that John Carpenter went on to remake the thing about four years later in what eighty two? Mm. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, which is an amazing movie in itself. Freaking awesome. Yeah. Mm, the thing from Way, Planet. Right. One of the few times a remake is better than the original. I agree. Yeah, there's not many, but I mm. would agree that is that's one of them. I agree. But uh, even though she's kind of flat, kind of one-dimensional at times, Lori's a good babysitter. You know, if I if yeah. I if I was a kid, I would have liked having her as my babysitter. Do you, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, have I you seen her. babysitters these days? No. They don't act that way. <laughs> <laughs> They're always on their their cell phones and shit, not paying attention to the children. Right. Just go play. Mm. Just go play. Just go play. Get away from me. Leave me yeah. alone. The one she had activities and stuff, you know? Right. Yeah, but the worst thing she did was she just kind of harped on about his comic books about Neutron Man. Mm-hmm. Should yeah. be reading that stuff. Right. That's about it. So she's, she's just... guiding the kid. <laughs> right. Well, the babysitter in 2018 is pretty cool, too. I mean, right. In a modern Alakazam. Fashion. Yeah. Alakazam. <laughs> <laughs> that should be Alakazam. That kid's so funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. We'll get into that. Yeah, we will. We'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> But uh, I really love the stalkaboo that uh, Michael Myers does outside. Are we still calling it stalkaboo? Stop uh, calling it stalkaboo. Uh, All right. I like the peekaboo we kind of do. We you. have. You. <laughs> Come on. Let me have this. No. <laughs> no, but I really like uh, the stalking that uh, Michael Myers does with Annie when she's out in the laundry room and she gets stuck. You see him in oh, the yeah. when the yeah, door. The he's standing. He's just having fun. Yeah, oh yeah. That's the other yeah. one that I didn't catch. Probably the first bunch of times I saw it. I caught it before I caught really the station wagon station out wagon. in front of Nichols I Hardware. Like I was, but I, was I agree with you. Those. I I did not catch it the first couple times. Okay, I agree with you on that. But I caught it sooner right. than the other. Yep. Yeah, he's just having fun with with Annie. Yep. But uh, Paul, out some ass, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They actually in the TV edit they they cut that part out. Oh really? Yeah, they cut oh. where she her mm. butt was hanging in the air out of the window. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> she was proportioned nicely. Yes, yeah. also. Yes. Yeah. But uh, Paul's voice that was uh, Annie's boyfriend over the phone that's actually John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, I hate here's here's the scene and obviously I know it sets up an awesome moment in the franchise and in this movie, but I hate that Annie needs the keys to unlock the car door in the garage, right? right? So she goes back inside to get them. She returns, but with the keys in hand, she just unlocks, just opens the door, and she gets in. <laughs> hey, man. I, yeah. I hate I ca- that. This yeah. movie has its flaws. It, it does, <laughs> but obviously for what we get, you yeah. know, and she gets in there, and she's, you know, whistling, and she's like, wait a minute, like, and then you see him popping, you get that Stinger and just chokes her out. It's an awesome. But is the scene. car door being locked and then unlocked, unknown to her, intentional? Is it? Is to say? Is it? My, I mean, obviously it's Michael screwing around with her, but is she just that oblivious? Are we supposed to buy into that? Is that what that is? Possibly. I don't know. I have I have minor issues with that scene, obviously, or else I wouldn't have brought it up in right. the way I did, but. I feel like it was something worth mentioning. I can accept that she's just, you know, dingy to the point where she, she is. She forgot that it was locked, and she was just, you know, trying the handle again, and oh, it works, and getting in, not considering that she oh, it's locked, and that's not. So, <laughs> yep, she's always whining. 
<clears throat> we also get the uh, really cool, pretty humorous scene with uh, Loomis because he's kind of camping out in front of the old Myers house. We get, hey, have some fun. Hey, Lonnie, <laughs> get your ass away from there. <laughs> so awesome, and you can tell like he's, he's got, got that shitting. Yeah, he does. Like he's he's having yeah. fun with it. Yeah. You know, I like that. I like that moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie. And then he shits his pants immediately after. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good, though. I really like that. I thought we were only entitled to one good scare. Right. Bracket. He's getting overzealous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bracket. You got to watch out for that guy. He's getting selfish on scares. Yeah. But we get an infamous line uh, given by Bob, which is played by John Michael Graham, who almost went to Dennis Quaid because Dennis Quaid was the, at that time, boyfriend of PJ Souls. Yeah. Now, he was on set, but uh, he was almost uh, given the role of Bob. Huh. So that's pretty interesting. But, yeah, we talk about this infamous line about ripping little Lindsay Wallace's clothes off. Yikes. Yeah. What the hell were they thinking with this? Okay, I mean, is, knows, it, is it just... I'm holding my hands up like in just... Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on right. here. It's, you know? it's called the WTF. Right. Emoji. Yeah. Or just the WTF emoji I don't think, I don't think right anybody now. was just thinking. Yeah, know? apparently not, because that's creepy. Nobody said, hey, John, hey, it's slimy that... You know? Maybe that scene did, wasn't Did John right write for, this, or did Deborah? Though? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't believe nobody stopped him. You know. Like, hey, guys, uh, about the ripping off the little 9-year-old, 10-year-old kid's clothes off, yeah, let's maybe cut that, right? <laughs> yeah, somebody said <laughs> that. Somebody said that. I mean, then, I can't believe in my right mind. And then obviously somebody said, said to that person, "Fuck you!" It stays in the movie. <laughs> don't carpenter ever does it. Me, I don't. Which makes know. me concerned about it. <laughs> this yeah. gets cut. I walk. Right. <laughs> no, I don't see. That is crazy. But something I picked up on this last rewatch of the movie is I never realized how many times you hear a phone ring in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how people communicated. Well, I understand. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I understand. Nowadays, it's just texting and shit. But you know, but it, it, that's it how is... my household was when I was a kid. Okay. Constantly, phones being rained. Shit. I mean, maybe know? I'm forgetting. You know, from that time. But like, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a lot. I don't now, know. Kids and millennials nowadays that see this, they probably hear that and say, What's "Oh, that? that's cool. They have the old phone ringer on their the their wall phone." phone. <laughs> yeah, because it's a setting on your phone to use the oh old phone God. ringer. The old phone ringer. Is that really what it's called? I think so. I oh, mean, it oh, is in man. some circles, I know. Wow. <laughs> wow. We're so old. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay. That's what we tell ourselves, at least. But, okay, so we get this really awesome, totally unrealistic death by Bob by being <laughs> impaled to the wall with the butcher knife. But... I hey love man, it's a good kill. Uh, yeah. It's a great kill, actually. Yeah, it's awesome. It really is. It is totally awesome. Could it be the best kill of the movie? It's Possibly. my favorite kill of the movie. It could be yeah. the best kill of the franchise. Oh no. I don't know. No, walk away, son. Walk okay. away, Tom. But I really love how you hear Michael Myers breathing leading up to yes. the moment uh that he kills Bob, you know, and then you get that head tilt, you know, that curious childlike 
wonder of like, you know, it almost makes me feel like he sees that and it's like, oh, well, that worked. Yeah. I'll be damned. <laughs> Let's go try something else. You know? I don't know. That's that's haunting, though. That's so creepy because that's, 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 that's not a, good, a natural it, reaction. It, it adds it's an a element great scene, to too, because I believe Car- Carpenter kills the, the, killed the music at that point, you know? And it's yeah. just him breathing. breathing. Yep. Total There's nothing. Dead silence. Dead air. Yep. It, yeah. And that's Perfect. the thing, because like, the breathing cool. is very relevant in this movie. It's yeah. also relevant in part two from 81. Yes. Yeah. After that, from part four on, you don't mm-hmm. really get it until uh, 2018. Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, you in, really in zombies he breathed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I don't. He grunted too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like Rob Zombies. That's that's kind of a separate. That's on an island on its own. I think. It's a, a choose way. your own adventure part right. six. Right. Um, <laughs> oh man. Right. What timeline are we rocking? <laughs> but no, that uh, an awesome kill scene, an iconic scene in horror history. Obviously, one of the best. I think. Yeah. But uh, so we get Michael Myers as a ghost playing Bob with the glasses over top, you know, and it's a great example of the we know, but they don't because Linda thinks it's Bob, you know, right. you know, around there. Bo- yeah. you know, goofing around and you know not getting her a beer. But it's amazing that the simplest, most generic costume ever <laughs> works. It works yeah. here. Yeah. Is being creepy. There's also yeah. a bit of a little bit of a comedic element to it because, like, she's like, "Well, did you got my beer?" And he just like holds it up. You and know? in a way, it's kind of ridiculous, you know. In a way, just but it's creepy, put a blanket though. over his face, you know, and his body, and just throw some glasses on. But he's proven that he likes he likes playing games. Right. Well, and, trick or treat, yeah, it's, that's trick or treat, bitches, it's yeah, Halloween, yeah. No, I, 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 I just, I, I go back to the whole thing. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's a sheet over top of you, right. you know, and it's like the most basic costume that anybody could ever have, but <laughs> it's so effective here. And there's no legitimate reason why that it should work. Right. Or that but it does. Bob's glasses on over top Right. Of it. it makes me wonder, like, did somebody say like, should we really have the glasses over top? Well, yeah, sure. Why not? You know. That way it signifies Bob. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's an identifying feature. <laughs> but, yeah. oh my God, do we ever get a beautiful shot. Oh, PJ Souls. PJ yeah. Souls. I definitely yeah. saw something I liked. <laughs> yes. She could get my ghost anytime, and I actually yeah. told her that yeah, at Horrorhound last year. <laughs> my man. Oh, she was cool, though. She was, yeah, she she was, was a sweetheart. Cool. Such an awesome experience meeting her. But uh, something I want to ask you guys. So John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, they have stated many times over the years that they did not consciously set out to depict virginity as a way of defeating a rampaging killer. It just happened to work out that way. You know, <laughs> it was their reasoning was it was, you know, the horny teens, they all die because they're preoccupied with getting laid. Mm-hmm. And that Lori, since she was kind of a, a bit of a loner, I mean, she had friends, but she was off by herself kind of on an island in a way. She had no other option but to pay attention. Do you guys buy into that? Mm. That it that wasn't an intentional. Well, they may have just went with the we're gonna make her the smart girl and the rest of them, you know, the you know the smart girl's friends. Okay, I mean, could have been. 
I'd have to I'd have to disagree with them. Okay. I mean, I think they're just following the formula, you know. Okay. Or oh. inventing the formula. See, and I really well, they don't, don't realize this is according right. to their own statement. Right. And it's like I, I I think I kind of believe them, but I really don't know how I feel about it. And ultimately, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, does it really matter? No, because no, what we end no. up getting is amazing, you know. And obviously, it set the tone for the horror genre for years to come. Still is. <laughs> But I don't like how Loomis has been hanging out around the Myers house this whole time. And then all of a sudden, he just looks over one way down the road a little bit and sees the station wagon sitting across the road. His awareness level is shit. <sighs> I mean, is, is that I mean, just... I know his strategy. He's using the cops, you know, to look around and all that shit and right. everything. But come on. Yeah, you know? that's that's a... That's a weakness. That's a yeah. definite deficiency in, in, in the plot, I feel. But obviously it was, you know, the next step to get the plot moving forward. I mean, he kept know? the distance. Carpenter always kept the distance between Myers' house and the vicinity of, you know, where Lori and Nanny and them are. Um, the same, you know. He kept that pretty close and stuff, you know, based off the first walk Yeah, that, you know, Lori takes in the beginning of the movie. <clears throat> so, I mean, I can buy it, but like I said, his just his awareness sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah, look around. Look around a little bit harder. Quit <laughs> screwing <laughs> around with Lonnie and the kids. Right. You know. But the whole time that Lori is, she's slowly making her way across the street to the Wallace house after she had her, what she thought to be an obscene phone call nah. from Linda being choked out with a telephone cord by Michael Myers. Linda, are you fooling around? If this is a job, I want to kill you. Well, too late. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. I'm already fucking dead. <laughs> right. But the whole time she's walking across the street, you're just like, don't do it. Don't, don't. Yeah. Just just go back. Just go back to the house. Stop what you're doing. You know? That is a great tension building scene. It is. It's so good. And But from the moment she discovers Annie's body on the bed with Judas Headstone, the hunt is on. Dirt, dirt. Dirt, dirt. Yeah, buddy. Dirt, dirt. It's a short parade of dead bodies, and then we get that amazing scene where Michael Myers just materializes out of the darkness from behind Lori, yes. which was done with just a simple dimmer switch mm-hmm. with lighting. Nowadays, My, you can't, you don't get that full effect. Not with HD, it on a HD yeah. TV. Yeah, I, it is lost. Just, yeah, but if you that watch sucks. it, yeah, I'm telling you, that is so freaky. But watching it on an old school TV. Oh my god. On VHS. Scary as hell. It's beautiful. It's magnificently <laughs> shot and it's so scary. It they really effectively is. recreated it, uh, in my opinion, perfectly in the second one too. Not bad. Oh, mm-hmm. I know I know what scene you're talking yeah. about. It's not bad. It's good. Yeah. It's good though, yeah. But uh obviously this movie is very it's darkly I mean, lit, I guess that's the way you want to put it. But uh with hints of blue throughout it and right. you know, yeah. for the nighttime sky. But uh the dark lighting actually came from necessity because they didn't have enough money for lights. And <laughs> this is kind of one of those happy accidents that went along with the movie where how we were talking about with that scene where he materializes out of the background with that lack of lighting, with you know, the video quality that they had at the time, it worked. Was it because they were just they did they really want light though for these shots? 
I mean, if they, I'm sure if they had the budget for it, I would say they would have utilized it. it. That loses something. Oh no, it absolutely would. I agree with you. It would have. But I think if there would have been a bigger budget, I think there would have been more, more lighting. Hmm. On I'm certain glad scenes, didn't give it. <laughs> I agree. Oh, I I agree completely on that. But a big fat boo to the neighbors that turned on their porch light, yeah, peeked yeah. out the window and then just turned it off. Like, what the hell? Like, nah. not very neighborly. Like, you ain't playing. <laughs> not today. <laughs> You're not that. gonna pull that out We're of the crap with me. <laughs> we don't have any more Snickers. <laughs> but I mean, we, there's a screaming woman on the front lawn. What shall I do? Turn off the light, honey. Get back in Go bed. to bed. <laughs> Christ, I'm tired. Yes, dear. <laughs> As you wish. <laughs> but when Lori is trying to get Tommy's attention to unlock the door with Michael Myers in Take pursuit. Your fucking time. Oh, my God. Where he's just in this relentless pursuit across the road with that theme music on, and she's. Oh, my God. It, it is epic. It's so tense. Yeah. I mean, you're just. Yeah, my butthole was clenched (laughs) all the way. (laughs) Absolutely, man. It is such an awesome, awesome scene. That kid took his sweet-ass time getting downstairs. Yeah, just rubbing his eyes. Oh, yeah. All right, just a minute. Okay. I got to pee pee first. I'll be right down. (laughs) That's you. That is me. Damn it. God damn Michael Myers outside. I gotta piss there first. Hold yeah. on. I gotta piss. <laughs> I get to the door my friend's dead. I'm like, oh man. Ah, I knew I should have went to the door before I pissed. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> do it, dude. Uh, do it. Arms on my head. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Are you look at that. <laughs> look at that right there. Stings will never come out. <laughs> But Lori gets inside just in the nick of time, and just when he thinks she's safe, maybe just for a moment after she's inside, you hear the breathing, and you see that there's a window open, and you know yeah. he's already in there with her and the kids. Does she know at that point? Because she starts kind of, you know, pouting. I think she knows. I, from what she I took away with it, she she knew that he he was inside. But yeah, because she gets that needle, needle ready in her hand. Yeah, yep. But I, I, one thing I have to talk on here is like the whole children in peril aspect once again with, you know, Lindsay and Tommy. It is so effective. It is so effective. Yeah. Them little kids running around screaming and here's this guy with a knife. I mean, it's yeah. real. Yeah. It seems real. This Michael Myers never wanted to kill children, though. Right. He, you know. We learned that at the schoolyard. He had plenty of times <laughs> kill children. Yeah. He just didn't, which is cool. Yeah, on his part. <laughs> no, that he's not a total dick. Well, that mo changes. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't agree with it. He has a limit, though. Yes, <laughs> there's an age limit. Yeah, it's like fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> yeah, there's a cutoff. Maybe we'll, thirteen. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, like you talked about, Kim, we get the good old knitting needle to the neck. You know, it just it temporarily stuns him every time. And it's a beautiful she, visual, too. It you is. It's it. so cool. The light behind them. Yep, it is. You know, and then she drops the damn knife, which, honestly, oh, that rookie. sets off a trope in horror movies right. that will make viewers' eyes roll every single time you see it in every movie in the future yeah, from that point on. Not one person in the theater at that point was like, 
Well, he's dead. She's all right. Yeah. Go ahead and throw the knife down. All right. Well, honey, get the popcorn. Let's go. Anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that. Well, that was pretty uh, underwhelming. He's definitely dead. I mean, he's He's totally dead. Yeah. Right. He's not coming back from that. Well. (laughs) I like to say that in these movies all the time. Yep. My kids laugh. They're like, yeah, right. We know this. (laughs) We know this is true. (laughs) But we get that iconic crazy tense closet scene where Lori's trapped herself in there and he's getting in there being on the doors banging through the lights coming on on and off and she's reaching up for the hanger god that is so awesome that's the climax shot of the movie it is it it is the oh it is awesome it is so awesome I don't have to disagree I, I think that the climax shot would be right after that though when she, th- yeah, really thinks that he's you know, from where he's behind, yeah, and we get the and stuff, and he just gets up. Don't know. Yeah. That's I hear you. You're like, oh my fucking god, <laughs> he's I mean, never gonna go away. But here's the thing, <laughs> yeah, though. It's I mean, all now, yeah. I mean, he, seriously though, how can you pick just one right. scene in this movie? Though? I mean, there's man. so many. I mean, we've commented on that. It's just like, oh, this is so awesome. It's amazing. It's incredible, you know. And it's just again another. Another one right in line yeah. with all the other ones, but you're you're getting first glimpses of his true, you know, badassery. He just he's just in, in he's just immune to all that shit. Yeah. He's just know? like his juggernaut. His willpower is just off off the charts. You know? Yeah, yep. He is a man on a mission. And that his is ability for sure. to take uh, at least six slugs, possibly seven. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ready to find out about that. Yep. But then she drops the damn knife. Again, but like you talked about there, Lord, the the sit-up that terrified moviegoers for years... How many people fucking screamed? Have you? The, there, the, I've heard the, that. Clip. There's actually Theaters a clip during that scene uh, in the '78 theater where people were watching oh that. We, I, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh just, man! That'd oh, be they'd crazy. be so epic. It'd be so epic. Okay, so I want to ask, like, have you tried doing a setup like that, the where it doesn't yeah. look like you're struggling? I used to be able to do it. Really? Not now, but yeah, I used to be able to do. A I show couldn't. Like that. I couldn't ever do it. I, I weighed, on a, on I weighed good, 100 pounds though back in the day. So. On a good day, if the gravity's you know right because of the full moon or whatever, you know, yeah, my feet <laughs> sure my feet get kind of you know firm to the ground and I can pull myself up without <laughs> looking like too much of a struggle. But a little light as a feather, if, stiff as a board. Uh, if the tides are it just perfect. right, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm satisfied with it. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty damn hard. But oh god, that is so god, that's so it's creepy, man. The head turn. Yep, it's so epic. Yeah. And it's all out of focus, too, yeah. but you know what is happening. That's the problem with that one. I'd like to draw that scene, because that's a good one. Uh, but oh, because could. it's so out of focus, I have right. to I have to leave it out of focus. Right. And it feels like it's uh, cheating. I hear you. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great... It is cool. Great scene. Great scene. But we get a brief face reveal right before Loomis shot him six times! Yeah, and then is he that falls. how he said it? That's the well, way, that's, that's the way Matt Logsdon yeah. said it, trying to sound like Donald Pleasance being Dr. Loomis. <laughs> I shot him six times! Yeah, huh? that's, that's how he said it. That's, that's pretty good one. <laughs> that's pretty damn good. I, I shot know. him six times! Nah. I think the king's got yeah, this king's one. Got <laughs> yeah. I shot him in the heart! 
<laughs> I'm telling you, this isn't a man. <laughs> All right, you got yes. this. You win. Uh, you win, King. God Jesus. God. He isn't human. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, but Michael Fire. He he falls from the the balcony down to the ground below, and then you get the. Uh, was that the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Say it, Dave. Say it, Dave. Uh, I don't know that one as well. I mean, I know it. I just don't know if I can say it as well. <laughs> as a matter of fact, that was. Yeah, I can only do when he's yelling. Right. I can only do his rants. <laughs> his strained voice. <laughs> you can do ranting Loomis like no other. <laughs> and I just want to verify, guys. He shot him six times in this movie. In this movie. Yeah, in this movie. Okay, he yes. shot him six. Yes. For sure. The hardcore Halloween fans know what we're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that here uh, very shortly. Obviously, Loomis goes down to look. He's not there. Lori, she's crying. She he knows. has the look. You know, yeah, she just, knows. He, I don't know how she knows. Fucking, he's got. I don't either. But it. Well, she, because of his look. Well, you hear the know. music playing, Dave. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she did. But. She sees Loomis just standing there, just in just utter shock, just kind of like. Yeah. And I figured that's what the giveaway is. She's battled know? him too, and she's like, right. "Yeah, this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. I've already done things that would mortally wound him, and he's right. still coming. So yeah, he's still living." The but, needle shot, you know, in the neck right there that could that could definitely kill some people. Oh, yeah. I think got deep, you know. Yeah. Yep. But something I want to ask, like, you know, because we get do we get the brief face reveal. Do you like the fact that he's not, like, this grotesque person? I mean, obviously, he has the eye deformity because he just got jabbed. Right. I absolutely do because he's a real person. Yeah. It, it adds to the scare factor. Okay. All, you know? That he's yeah. just a normal-looking normal man. He could be anybody, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. just has awesome, you know, constraint, you know, when it comes to bullets and shit and... <laughs> <laughs> He's nice. very resilient. Right. Yep. No response to external stimuli. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how it closes out where how John Carpenter chose to do the ending where you he, see various shots of the familiar locations yeah. that we've seen throughout the movie and you hear His the breathing yeah. and you hear the score. God, it's so haunting because it puts... Because it could be anywhere. Notion. Yes, exactly. You know? That is exactly what I have. He's still oh, out there. Is he behind you? You know, right at that point. Exactly, and I think that is. Oh my god! I mean, I'm telling you, like I, I'm, I get chills just talking about it because, like, just yeah. the effectiveness of it, just knowing, you know, that like there's someone out there that is like this person that has taken this the battle damage that, you know, he's taken on. And he's still coming, yeah. like a great white shark, just relentless. That's just I mean, that's scary white. shit. Michael Myers is more scary than Great White. No, we're going back to your Jaws shit here. Now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'll put you in the ocean with a great white shark. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. <laughs> well, what if I didn't give you an option? We're gonna put you in a like local pool with a great white shark and put a fence up so you can't get out or something. Well, Scared now, I mean, Lord. <laughs> I mean, it, the whole area can't be underwater, so I think I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, the the I mean, come over. No, you come over here, shark. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, <laughs> I'll battle you over here. <laughs> not you're not your turf. I'm gonna do it on my terms. No, you know, Michael Myers, he don't give a shit. 
he'll yep. go, you know, so he's more scared and honey badger. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that thought that John Carpenter put in every viewer's mind that he's everywhere, he's anywhere, he's behind you. It's awesome. It's genius. Mm-hmm. That's the way you want to leave the theater first time. Yeah. This and you can't kill the boogeyman. No, man. he's still out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, obviously, we all find that out here very soon because this has spawned ten sequels, one of which <laughs> isn't even canon to the Michael Myers universe, and two more pending. So, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know, um, how many people played Michael Myers in this movie? Five. Four. Seven. Oh, wow. So we have Deborah Hill, who in the oh, very yeah, beginning in the yeah. opening. See, I'm not counting that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. Deborah Hill, yeah. Great. Will Sandin, who played the uh, six-year-old Michael Myers, right. or was unmasked. Nick Castle, for the bulk of the film. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, played Michael speeding in the station wagon uh, past the, yeah. the girls. Okay. Um, and I don't have a name here, but a key grip played Michael Myers uh, skulking behind a hedge, that scene, the peekaboo. Yeah. And Tony Moran played the unmasked Michael Myers. Yeah. And then James Winburn was the stuntman who did the fall off the balcony. So, Jeez. Okay, there we yeah, go. Got me. Yeah. There we go. And each one did a really good job representing the other, you know. And you, you wouldn't know. Solidarity never saw the character. That. You know, yeah, so you'd never know. Kudos to all that. Absolutely, you know. yeah. But uh, did you all know that prior to the movie, there was a book that was written by Curtis Richards, and it reveals more of the story behind Michael Myers' rage and uh, his thoughts and his motives. Um, this book is very rare. Have you heard of this book? Do you all know about it? Uh, it was written after the movie, which means... After know, the movie? Yeah, they wrote huh. the book right. in you know, right. response to the movie's success. Okay. Uh, so, But the writer took liberties. He's got his own little additions that make... a. I think a great extra that would have been cool. There's a couple. Like, I mean, does he does he go more? Does he kind of go the Rob Zombie route, like delving into more of the backstory a little bit? In a way, but not not as deep. And it's it's more or less a you know one or a two clip situation in okay. uh, Insane Asylum. He has trouble with everyone. Everyone they're scared to death of him. They make that very clear that the other inmates are want nothing to do with him because they're afraid of him. Uh, and so they have a Halloween party, and in the book he talks. I, I hate to oh, say that does. that's a killer. Uh, yeah, hmm. he talks and hmm. asks Doctor Loomis to have a Halloween party, okay, uh, a dress-up party. He wants to do that, and uh, that kind of took me out of the. Yeah, this isn't you know the right idea, but anyway, so they did. I don't know why they thought. Well, maybe it'll be therapeutic. Michael, will, you know, come out of his shell a little bit. Maybe we'll, we'll give it a try, even though. That's a stupid fucking idea because we know what happened on Halloween with him. So. Triggered! Exactly. Anyway, there's a, a game of musical chairs. Oh, okay. Okay, they have a game of musical chairs, and he kind of has a situation where he sits down, or the girl sits down. The one's him and the girl at the end. They're the last two. She takes the seat, and he's he's triggered by it. Okay. So, you know, he doesn't quite go off right then, but then the next game is bobbing for apples. And they're bobbing for apples, and it's her turn. And all of a sudden, the power goes out in the gymnasium. And Loomis is watching like a hawk for Michael to do something. He just, you know, senses something's up. And uh, the lights go out, and he rushes towards the the tub. Yeah. The tub of apples. 
and when he gets to it, the generator from the uh, outside kicks on and the lights come back on and the girl is laying, laid out on the ground, unconscious, and he looks around, Michael's over under the basketball hoop, like, kind of grinning, but not uh, hmm. not wet or anything. He, he notices he's not even got a drop of water on him. Huh. But he knows, you know. Right. This little fucker's done it. I don't know how he's done it. I don't know how he's done it, but he's done it. I'm yeah. going to shoot him six times. <laughs> it's going to happen. Dude, That's interesting. Do they consider yeah. this canon? No, I don't think so because it was written after the movie, so really not. Hmm. That is crazy, man. But That's that that was the one thing that stuck out that I could have I could have appreciated seeing that on film. If he didn't speak. Yeah, yeah. If they just cut straight to, you know, Michael and the and they're having a party and he's right. kind of being reserved and minding his business and then all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah I hear you on that. Right. That would be interesting to to have seen that. There's other there's other things in the book that's different, but nothing noteworthy. There's a, uh, a prologue to the book that talks about where a uh, hundred years ago uh, a guy a Celtic man was in love with a woman and he was too ugly for her and anyway he wanted to try to you know sneak away and get her at the pond kind of Frankenstein's Stein style there and gets uh, I don't know he gets carried away and kills her huh because she doesn't want she rejects him so who is that supposed to be it doesn't reference it as anybody of relation uh, although the book does reference his grandfather who in 1891 or something at a family uh, I don't know some kind of family get together I don't know if it was a wedding or what it was but it was something where he gets he gets triggered and <laughs> starts killing people off. He kills really? the, the woman. And I don't know. I don't remember if it's a bride. It's genetic. That's crazy. That's I interesting. Kind of, yeah. That's pretty wild, man. I, yeah. It's a little too far out for me, actually. I don't know. It's, it's unnecessary. Uh, again, I mentioned in this, uh, I'm not a fan of the backstory. I'd just rather yeah. leave him. Yeah. Just keep anonymous him knowing. Yeah. Sure. But, but again, I thought the, the story in the gymnasium was worthwhile that's they, cool. could have, they could have included that and that would have been yeah I hear okay you on that. Me. it was an extra and from what I understand this novel that's uh, that was written by Curtis Richards it's pretty rare uh-huh. and uh, be prepared to spend a pretty penny on this if you're going to get it I guess it's you're be prepared to spend triple digits is that hard yeah. covered or paperback? I think it's paperback right on I'm not yeah, I'm, I have I've seen never seen a hardcover of it okay I've seen a person on you know on the internet with a copy of it Okay. Uh, on paperback. I've never seen a hardback though. Okay. It's got the original artwork from the the movie poster, the as the the pumpkin with the knife. Nice. Mm. Interesting. Pretty cool, man. Good stuff, right. King. Going back to the thing before we get too far away from it, the uh how many people played Michael Myers? Uh, what about the guy that played him in the extended cut? The teenage version of him sitting in the Oh Does that make a eight? Oh, yeah, buddy. There you go. There's nice. Eight. nice. <laughs> My man. Uh, that's, that's why, why I throw that in there. That's nice why he's job. The king. Nice job. Well played, sir. Right. I like it. I win you after all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, does that uh, uh, about do it for John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978? We ready to head into our... It was nice talking about it. So, yeah, it was, you know, this so. is great. This was nice to talk about. There's plenty more to talk about. Yeah, oh, we yeah. could probably have an entire other episode still talking yeah, about we the missed, B-sides. We missed a few things, you know. Yeah, sure, we um, did. Yeah, there's so know, much with this. Sorry, audience, you know, but... We but could, hopefully we, we could spend, you know, 
three hours talking about Halloween and stuff. Hopefully we learned some stuff we didn't know, because I know I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. it's all about, man. Keep horror alive, man. Spread yeah. it around. All right, well, guys, who wants to take it first? Who wants to go into wrap-up and ratings? I'm a 10. 10? 10. I don't have to explain why. I mean... <laughs> I hear you. There it is. Just, it's a 10. That's it. It is what it is. It's it is what it is. Of all what time. else can you say? It's... Yeah. All right, 10 from the king. Cha-ching. Iconic classic. All right, Lord. I don't believe in 10s. I don't believe uh, in a perfect movie. I don't I believe know. in a zero movie, though. You know, so... Um... This movie comes about as close as you can, though, to perfection. It has, it does have its flaws, mostly just you know, stupid continuity errors, you know. Right. Um, I don't fault flaws. So that's where my ratings. Sit I, hear I hear you. I hear you. With this movie, with the score, with the intensity of Michael Myers, you know, the the boogeyman, the everyday man that could be Michael Myers, you know, just the idea of that. It's very, very scary. John Carpenter portrays it beautifully. Um, puts it onto the screen. Just uh, what a fantastic story. It gets a 9 out of 10 for me. All right, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love this movie. I mean, it's much better than Friday 13th. So is there a 9.5 in your catalog? Anyway? There is. There is a 9.5. So there's a movie that you rate higher than Okay, fair enough. All right, so... Uh, Halloween from 1978 was written by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter, and it was obviously directed by John Carpenter. It had the alternate title at one time of The Babysitter, Babysitter Murders. Obviously, it's rated R, with a runtime out of an hour and 31 minutes. For the theatrical cut, the extended TV cut is an hour and 41 minutes. It had a limited U.S. release in Kansas City, Missouri on October 25th of 78, and then on October 27th of 78 on 232 screens in Los Angeles, it was released. On an estimated $300,000 budget, it grossed $47 million in the U.S. and grossed $70 million worldwide, making it at the time and for the longest time until the Blair Witch Project came along in 99, which we reviewed back in episode 15 for Doom in the Woods Month. It's the highest grossing independent film of all time. It is only streaming on Shudder at this current time, hmm. but you can rent it on Amazon Prime for $3.99 or you can buy it on Amazon for $8.99. IMDb has this as a 7.8 out of 10 with a meta score of 81, Rotten Tomatoes score of 96%, an audience score of 89%. Yeah. And I'm that's, with you guys. That's it, man. You know, it, that's that's the general ballpark of this movie. Right. It's You can't score it low. There's no way that this movie, anybody could go and score this movie at a low. Yeah, below seven. I don't. I just don't see it. I, I think if you do, you have some biases to it right. for whatever reason. I mean, because you you can't deny what and you're seeing on the screen. If you do, I, I want to know why. You know, I mean, give so, me empirical yeah, evidence. Let me know why. <laughs> why you're a horror fan and don't like this movie? <laughs> right. What is wrong with you? you know, why don't uh, you like this? Yes, but like like you guys have already said. I mean, there's really. I mean, what else can you say about this that hasn't been said? I think we all kind of know where I'm probably going to come in on this one. <laughs> um, you know, but I do. I, I want to say one thing. Um, how I got my interest into the Halloween universe and Michael Myers uh, it was by my mom, and it was totally by accident. Um, I think I was around 10 years old, and this was around the time when she was introducing the old black and white Universal monster movies mm-hmm. from the 30s yeah. and 40s to me. And uh, I asked her, I was like, what was, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? 
And then she started to tell me about this movie that she saw when she was a senior in high school hmm. that my dad taken, had taken her to about this mass murderer that was killing babysitters on Halloween. Yeah. And how it scared the shit out of her um, afterward because I guess after my dad dropped her off at home, she was home by herself and she didn't sleep a wink that night, I guess, from how she tells it. She stayed huddled up in the corner of the living room on the couch under a blanket with the lights on. And that's where she stayed. Yeah. And I'm just thinking to myself as a young kid, like, wow, you have my attention, you know. And from that moment on, I, I, I've been a Halloween and Michael Myers fan. So your mom was one of those people that were, you know, when Lori's sitting there and, you know... And, and Michael's in the background after the closet scene. Oh yeah, she, I, I mean, I, I'd love to see footage of that. The, yeah. Is it footage or is it just like audio? I've heard audio. I don't know if there's footage. I mean, there could be, but I know there's definitely audio that I've heard. Yeah, I'd love to, see, you know, hear people's reactions. Yeah. You know, when it first first came out. I I just question. I've heard it too. I just question if it's authentic. If it's yeah, if it's a shoot nineteen, you know. I mean, who knows where it could have came from? Right. Yeah, you're kind of trusting the internet at that. But point. I'm sure it, it it was intense and oh, you know, I, very. I know yeah. it was intense from where I was sitting right. watching it. Sure, you for know, the first time, yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's a cinema classic, and not just within the confines of the horror genre, just cinema. Period. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter, he's my favorite director, my favorite storyteller of all time. This is one of my favorite movies of all time, and just like with my jaws raining. And with a king here, I'm I'm ringing that bell. This is a perfect ten out of ten. Bing, bing, bing. I love this movie. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I mean it's just it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else I could say about it. The mayor's got a hot on for Michael Myers. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, at this point, this will conclude a review of John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. When the music stops, turn your cassette over. Still, the guy I pay my taxes to, the mayor, Matt Lawson, <laughs> and the best co-pilot in the galaxy, the highly underrated and oftentimes disputed Lord of the Ketchums. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, King. And I'm Dave King of the Road. And tonight, our second feature is not exactly John Carpenter's Halloween 2 from 1981. From the people who brought you Halloween, more of the night he came home, Halloween 2. 
there was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason that wasn't even remotely human. Don't miss the all-new Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Halloween 2, rated R. The horror continues. Ben Train, or Michael Myers, is still on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> the toys have been strewn about in the playing field, and our favorite stalker is laying them down and smacking them, yakking them. Cold got to be, you know? Shit. <laughs> Doom is afoot at the Circle K. Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis are debating whether he could have shot him six or seven times. <laughs> Our heroine, Lori Strode, a traumatized babysitter, is rushed to the hospital and the shape is not far behind. More of the night he came home, boys. Let's all get right. into it. That might be the best plot is. synopsis is we've ever had in all of our episodes. Well done, King. I know. Knocked it out of the park. So who's uh, who wants to throw their mud at this movie? I don't think I'm gonna call it mud, but uh, I gotta say I, I just I absolutely love how this movie doesn't miss a beat and picks up right where '78 left off. Yeah, I love that continuation. I love that in any sequel. To be honest with you, it's probably one of my favorite things about sequels because when I get to see that, I'm like, oh yes. It doesn't happen very often though, man. Uh, it really anymore. doesn't. But when it does, it's kind of like, ah, oh, yes, the director, he gets me, you know? He's like, you're speaking to my soul, if it's done well. And right. I feel that this is one of the better examples of it being done well, in my opinion. Well, that's a fair statement. But uh, did you all know that actually John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had no interest at all in making this? Oh, yeah. And uh, they, you know, believed the original was a standalone movie. But when the studio offered more, you know, money to write a script and everything, because Carpenter said himself that he didn't really make a whole bunch of money off the original, so he took the job so he could make some cash. Bitterness ensued. Yeah, there was... He likes his money. Yeah, he He, likes getting paid, and, you know, I'm all about capitalism, too. Sure. It it took him to 2018 to get over that bitterness, too. And I'm glad he did. (laughs) I'm glad he got over it, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so he took the job. And uh, the script wasn't flushing out as well as he wanted, and he said the only thing that helped him through the screenplay process was a six-pack of Budweiser every night, (laughs) which led to what he believed to be an inferior script, and had some poor choices in the movie storyline. He's blaming his drinking? Rick Rosenthal picked up the pieces. Well, and I think he kind of even acknowledges that he was just kind of mailing this in. Well, yeah. You know. Which upsets me. A little bit, but... I don't feel the final product reflected a a negative. Here's the thing, thing, though. If the studio, you know, if John Carpenter goes to the studio and says, I don't really want to make another movie, you know, and they're just, you know, they're just paying him, what do you expect? You know, I mean, you're not going to get his best work. Well, and if you watch the the documentary from Shout Factory, The Nightmare Isn't Over, The Making of Halloween 2, you get the vibe that. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, mostly John Carpenter, were basically forced into being the creative forces in this movie. And like you kind of said there, King, with the uh, the bitterness, I think this is where it all began. Yeah. This is where it you know, literally all began. That's even unfortunate. With, even with Erwin Ob- Yablons, he, he had Erwin Yablons. I mean, I, I know Mustafa Akkad, but you're throwing a name in here that's Dino irrelevant. Who? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyways. No, Mayor. You're out of line. <laughs> uh, but did you all know that the original uh, script, they had this taking place in a high-rise apartment building and was considered for a brief time to be filmed in 3D? Uh, yeah. The, the, the 3D from the 80s and stuff was just piss not good. It's just not good at all. It hurts. It's actually 
it hurts, hurt, hurts the brain, yeah, hurts they the have eyes. To accommodate the movie Gives to that headache. need, and it not yeah. that need to the movie. Yep, I'm so. glad I, that they didn't do that. I agree. I'm with you on that. But I need to point out that I always associated the song Mr. Sandman with Back to the Future from 1985 mm. after Marty McFly first uh, oh. he enters Hill Valley in the <laughs> 50s until I saw this movie a few years later. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then ever since, this song holds a bit of an evil quality to it for me. Oh, yeah. Like there's a sinister yeah, back to it. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's it's not... You brought up a good point, too. I, I never I considered that, yeah, that's right, you know, two of my absolute favorite movies of all time right. have that song in it, and which one does it make me think of more easily? Halloween, too. Yeah. But I love Back to the Future. I think it's just sure. because it's the opening. Yeah. It's maybe. very significant to you this know, movie. Where, where Back to the Future, it's, you know... It's just a background yeah, right introduction away, so. to the 50s, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool so... Point. Like you kind of alluded to here, King, in your uh, plot synopsis, uh, if you pay attention at the end of Halloween 1, Loomis shoots Michael Myers six times. Yes, he does. But... We got a show count. Yeah. <laughs> issue. Well, right. Yeah. But if, you, if you're watching the open of this, uh, yeah. there are seven shots. We got seven shots. We have seven. I've counted them many times. Yes. Yep. Without Loomis, fail. Loomis can't count for shit. No. <laughs> Yep. It's kind of one of those it things sound, like... It sounds so much better, though. I shot him six times. Right. Than, well, I shot just, him seven times. I don't yeah, know. Just, that just doesn't yeah, have a nice flow off the yeah, tongue. It needs they a make seven, single syllable. They make seven-shot yeah. revolvers, but... That's know. rare. That's it incredibly rare. rare. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's one of those things like, how did you let that get by? Yeah. You know? Like, was no one really... Like, hey, there's seven here. And there's also a count issue when uh, we get to Halloween 4, which we will, but... Yeah. Uh, when a little security uh, butter butterball guy is explaining that his doctor shot him six times, and well, his doctor at that point, you know, according to our canon storyline here, mm-hmm. has shot him at least you know fourteen or sixteen times because in part two he right. gets a few rounds off there at the end. That's funny, oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he he acknowledges the sequel, yeah, but then only the first, yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you guys, do you like this portrayal of Dr. Loomis, where he's all wild-eyed and just wound up? <laughs> I do. He's not that different. He's a little more cocky, I think. Arrogant. Yeah, there's I an guess. arrogance. Yeah. So, there's a few scenes I really enjoy where he's like that, because I get a good kick out of it. Sure. But there's sometimes, I'm like, yeah, I want, I want a little bit of the old Loomis, you know? I got you. Is that where Rob Zombie got his influence from? For Loomis in Part 2 being a little more cocky, but he was a lot more cocky. Right. I don't know. Perhaps. That's maybe. We're not getting into that right now. Yeah, we're, you know, we're not talking about H2 right now. Well, I'll tell you. Well, Halloween 2, Rob Zombie. Halloween right. 2, Part 2. Part yeah. 2. So, here is, uh, ding, <laughs> ding, here is the first argument. And, uh, King, it's between you and I. Okay. I really don't like the synth video game version of the Halloween theme we get yeah, from Alan Howarth and John Carpenter, man. Yeah, we're well, wrong. It's better than the first one. Oh, no, yeah. it's not. Hold that on. is. Whoa, that whoa, is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's way better composed. It's got a, a beat drive to it that's it better. Does than ha- that. It does have thunk, a beat. Thunk, thunk, thunk. I mean, that's what the Halloween 1 theme consisted of in the background. No, I know, but there, I, I like the simplicity of the original. It seemed like it was... 
I don't know, it just gave it a more dirty, grimier feel. Mm, I like synth pop, 80s style synth pop, and this is okay. that at its peak I for me. I find it them both enjoyable, to be honest, but right. it's definitely not as good as the first one. I disagree. I mean, it, huh? Strongly disagree. It no. is one of my least favorite versions, right. to be honest. It Everybody really has is. an opinion. Right. Everybody's got an asshole. Well, <laughs> even a mayor. <laughs> And even a king, evidently. Yep. But I, I, I knew this was going to be something that we were going to... We were not going to see eye to eye. Hey. You're right. Because <laughs> I honestly <laughs> think that the second uh, soundtrack's better than the first one. Alan Howarth is a genius. No, I like Alan. He's he's a Buckeye, and I, I like what he does. I like what he's done with other John Carpenter movies. What's him being a Buckeye got to do with it? Well, for me, a lot. Well, for me, not a lot. <laughs> O.H. W.V. Uh, <laughs> right. oh, we beat Michigan every year. Look at us. Uh, yeah, can't beat Alabama. Yeah, we did. Whatever. <laughs> Who, who's the reigning champions for how many years now? It's Clemson right now. Uh, well, I'd root for Alabama over Ohio any day. Man. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, but did you know John Carpenter, he was offered to direct this, and he passed. And so was Tommy Lee Wallace. And he passed because the amount of gore. He thought he didn't like the script. Lame. And uh, But he went on. It's interesting because he didn't like the amount of gore in this. But he went on to direct Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, right. and the very next year in 82. Which I think is gorier. I think... Uh, yeah, I think there's more... A particular it's scene more visceral. is the absolute pinnacle of gore, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But it, I, I found that kind of interesting. But uh, Rick Rosenthal, who is the director, he had the same agent as John Carpenter. And John Carpenter actually signed off on uh, Rosenthal with Dino De Laurentiis' uh, approval. But as much as I love the open that we get to the original Halloween and iconic as it is, this is one of the best title sequences we get in the franchise, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, you get the jack-o'-lantern with a different look. Mm -hmm. It zooms yep. in, and then it starts cracking open in this cavern of cobwebs, and there's a sinister-looking skull. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good, man. It's creepy as hell. I feel yeah. like, honestly, this is where the synth video game music works best. Okay. Yeah, the tone changes completely. It gets darker drops, and ominous. Drops yes. Yeah, it does. It drops down. That's right. I, I feel like that's where it works best. That's that is as close as we're gonna come You're to. You're not wrong. <laughs> that's as close as we're gonna get. Alright. Well Again, you're not wrong. At that point. It is good. It is yeah, it is really good. Nah, is. I've carved that pumpkin, uh sorta. I've done the original. Yeah, I've done it a couple years ago. I've done the original, uh, but that one—I mean, with the skull inside it—I had a white pumpkin. I carved the skull face into. Really? And I carved a jack o' lantern outside it, cut a V out of the jack o' lantern in the front. Yeah. And you could see the skull through it. Oh, that's so cool! It's not spot on to the movie. I'm just saying it was—it was fun. It was something I had to try. Dude, that's awesome. Being, yeah, being an amateur pumpkin carver. Yeah, I got a picture of it. I'll oh, post it on the Yeah, absolutely. Facebook. Yeah, you have to. That's cool, man. I've never seen that. That'd be awesome to see. So, something yeah, I want nice, to kind of... Yeah, you are pretty talented. You did like a Pennywise one. 
I like the carved pumpkins. I use those designs from zombiepumpkins.com, but zombie pumpkins is awesome. I can't come up with my own. It's tough. It is tough to come up with your own shit. You know, it's leaving a vacancy where you know the the structure is supposed to be of the right base, and it's it's tricky to figure out. Sure. But uh, I want to discuss here, is this where Michael Myers truly became a slasher archetype? And was it out of necessity to compete with the likes of Friday the 13th and all the other imitators coming out in the early 80s at that time? I don't think you compete when you're the innovator. But you gotta, you gotta at least match. You gotta, it. Amp, you gotta amp it up a little bit. You yeah, gotta match. And, you know, and that's how it starts out. You know, minus he didn't kill the old people. You know, the two, the old couple, the, the old dogs. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, he went right to the next house and you know took advantage. Right. Started getting busy again. That walkthrough is a great visual too. The, the opening a, of him walking, you know, I mean, it's leading you into what happens right after you know he's shot right. and, you know, and it plays away. right into that. It game. is perfect. I love it. It's a perfect I sequel stair step. I mean, yeah, it takes. I you right agree in. with you. Yep. So something I found that was pretty interesting. I looked into uh, just the little bit of tidbits of information. This is one of the only slasher films to come out in 1981. That was not cut. They didn't do any edits to it. The way they submitted really? it is the way it came out. Hmm. That's that's weird. That is very weird. That's hmm. big. It's not good practice usually. But uh, the same year uh, that were these were movies that were heavily cut by the MPAA. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, mm-hmm. My Bloody Valentine, and. Interestingly enough, this movie was actually banned in Iceland, in West Germany, and then later in Norway. But it hmm. remained uncut. They didn't do anything to it when it was submitted. I thought that was interesting. Very hmm. weird. I agree with you, Lord. Hmm. Yeah, just because, you know, of the sex scene. And, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not really a sex scene, of course, but. Right, there's, there's nudity. Right. Know, the so. hot tub scene. Right, the hot yeah, tub yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah that stands out. That's that's what got, got it banned, I'm sure. The, the core of that kill, of. also. I yeah. mean, it's not just that there's titties. Yeah. <laughs> you got a really gory death there that yep. stands out. Oh, it's fantastic. And I can see it playing out exactly like that, you know, to maybe to a lesser degree. The yeah, temperature of that water rises a little too quickly for my belief. Right. But we're not, hey, that's something I need to disclose right now. Watching these movies, I go in with. I'm I'm in I'm in the adventure that you're writing and presenting to me. I don't go into it looking for mistakes in your mm-hmm. time continuum, you know. Right. It's 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 that's the way I originally saw it and that's how I view this movie and if that is one of the reasons why I like it so much. So it is it has been unchanged so, since yeah. the very yeah, I've first held, I've held what I feel like about it as a child into adulthood That's perfectly. Cool. So if the water rises too fast and yep. by goddamn let it so be. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, where I'm at. Apparently they have their really. settings there are set a little too high. I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. plausible. We discussed I'll before too. This was maybe our first maybe introduction. Maybe they have a water heater. Heat it up, boys. No, this actually, this was the very first Halloween movie I ever saw. Same. And, uh, and that's why I think, because of that, it impacted me to the point where I'm forever frozen in that time capsule. Of, I remember what this movie felt like the first time I seen it, and it was so good. It's scary. And then I seen the original with a, you know, knowing eye, 
yeah. into the past, and maybe that's why that affected my opinion of this movie. I don't know. Yeah, I got you on that. This Makes is sense. A second. I watched this. I watched the original first, and then I watched this one. Okay. And then I wasn't allowed to watch any of the other ones because my mom didn't believe in the continuation uh, of Michael sequels, and shit yeah. and everything. So <laughs> I didn't get a chance to watch that stuff until like my teen years and everything. But yeah, John Carpenter actually directed some scenes in this, and he went. They kind of went without. Rosenthal's knowledge at the time and he shot some of the gorier scenes in the movie and uh, this at the time made Rosenthal upset but I think he's kind of made his peace with it here now but um, he, he even acknowledged in the uh, documentary from Shout Factory that you know whenever you're creating art that's on film you know it's a collaborative effort it's not mm -hmm. an individual effort and you know it, it seemed like to me at least he made his peace with it but at the time it pissed him off I don't know yeah. how you get mad about that, though. I mean, yeah, you're it's talking John Carpenter. Right, it's the master. It's his baby. Tape. It's right. his baby. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm allowed to hold it for a minute. But I can understand that. I mean, even being a first-time director, I mean, you know, there's there's ego there. I, I get it, but I, I'm, I, I guess I'm glad to know that he's... You know, how, since how many scenes on. was added that that Carpenter did? Um, I can't remember once exactly. I, I I believe the scene of the burning mask at the very end. I think that's something okay. Carpenter shot. Uh, the uh, the scene. I think the scene with the boy, the pirate boy, okay, with uh, yeah, the nice. razor blade. Yeah. I think that was. Um, I think that was something that he filmed. That was, that was unnecessary. So since we're on this subject, I'm going to talk about this scene. So was this scene? With uh, the boy, who do you know who that was? By the way, the boy. No. Okay, Billy so, from Halloween Four. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. B -b -b Billy. B -b 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 Billy. <laughs> Actually, it was Ty Mitchell who played Gary Wayne from The Fog, nineteen eighty. He was Adrian Barbeau's son. Oh. In the movie uh, The Fog. Uh, but with this scene, as well as the classroom scene that we get later in a movie where the police and Loomis discover Samhain and the ancient. Celtic ritual talk. Uh, do you think this was placed intentionally by John Carpenter to transition into this anthology Halloween theme of movies moving into what we get with Halloween 3 Season of the Witch? Eh, not really. To be Just, honest, I really didn't understand why he didn't throw it in. As a kid, when I first watched it, I felt sorry for the kid. I remember sure. that, you know, but... Um, I felt like there was supposed to be more to it, but right. now that I kind of know what they were trying to do, it's kind of I understand why. Actually, John Car like he really fought to keep this that scene in, that's, that's because weird. it was just kind of adding elements of the the horrors of Halloween. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's the yeah. idea of to build onto it, you know, right. later on. Yeah, sure. It's a great that scene. Plant the seeds. I like it. Yeah. I've I've grown to appreciate it, it, and if nothing else, it keeps you in the mood of what tonight is. You know, right, it's not all just Michael Myers. Right, yeah. I mean, there is deeds. a hospital. There are other patients. Yeah, and, things happen you know, on Halloween night. Even though <laughs> this hospital is fucking dead. <laughs> hey, that's another thing. Again, as my youth youthful eye saw this movie, I didn't know at that time that at the nighttime shift the hospital wasn't working at you know. A higher capacity of employees. I mean, well, yeah. my dad worked at a uh, a tech center across from St. Joe Hospital when I was a kid, uh -huh. and he would 
some nights we couldn't get a babysitter when he worked at midnight and he would take me to work with him and I would go into the basement the lower level of the St. Joe Hospital oh. and he he just fixed printers and stuff it wasn't like right. he was yeah. doing any technical computer work because he calls me every time he needs something fixed on his computer <laughs> the simplest things <laughs> and his TV like uh, when I when I push the button and turn the input from HDMI 1 to HDMI 2 it's like eureka you have done it you have fixed what I was asking you to fix so I mean but anyway he, he did computer tech at the hospital and he'd go over there at midnights and I'd go with him and and it was dead I mean the place was a ghost town at night so so for me seeing that it's in this movie it never dawned on mm-hmm. me that maybe you know you know the baby unit <laughs> at nighttime I mean, is going to be lowly staffed huh that's cool. When my kids were born, you know, I was spent the night in the hospital and all that stuff, you know. But I don't know. It, it just I didn't get that dark tone in the hospitals and everything, you know, that this portrays and everything. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's kind of dead, but you still see people, you know. Yeah. This. this it's not a deal breaker for me. No, it's definitely not. It adds the uh, element of darkness, and I'm totally down with that shit. You know, come on, Michael. Again, we're being presented <laughs> a adventure story. <clears throat> from someone else and I, yeah. I buy into it I accept that that's what you're presenting me that's the way it is right I got you but uh, backing up a little bit here where we uh, we have the Elrod scene which I love right. that I think it's so great yeah it's living dead playing yeah we've been there I yeah, was watching it. it I was actually doing a rewatch tonight of this movie that we're reviewing and um, when the Night of the Living Dead came on the TV I was like I'm there I was there Yep, you know I was our, there. Yep, that's our, um, so cool. George Romero, Remembrance Trip. Yeah, buddy. Yep. Harold, you want mayonnaise on your sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Harold, you want mayonnaise on your sandwich? It's such an awesome scene. But I want to ask. Okay, so the thoughts on, on the uh, your thoughts on the neighbor Alice's kill. Does this fit the mo for Michael Myers for you? Because typically he only kills in this in this timeline. <laughs> uh, he only kills if you interfere or if you get in his way or if you're a family member. So does this... It fits fit? my MO because motherfucker was just shot six or seven exactly. times. <laughs> He's pissed off. Exactly. Oh boy's like, he needs man, to my, my chest need to and head is hurting like a motherfucker. And I need to kill some bitches. <laughs> and there's one right there shouting out her back door. Mr. Elrod, Mrs. Elrod, you know, I mean, and then she's on the phone, chatting with her friend, radio's (laughs) talking about what happened down the street. Mrs. Elrod? Mr. Elrod? Are you okay? I like that. I'm killing this bitch. I I, I do like that, where she's like, when she realizes, that's just right down, you know, and it kind of gives you that, like, that dread, where it's like, oh, again, like we talked about in the original, it's that... This is in your neighborhood, you know? Yeah. I like that. I thought that was good, And though. it keeps setting that. We're on Halloween night. This is... Yeah, know, it's a continuation. I it's believe good. it's a continuation. I do. And and obviously, with bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, Charles Cyphers... Nancy mm-hmm. Loomis. Critical. Right. Death scene, you know. But it, it works. It's a nice little add-in, you know? Another thing before we get too far with Jamie Lee Curtis. She had a wig in this movie. Oh, God, I it's did awful. not... I did not... It's terrible. Question now. Yeah, I can tell you. Yes, <laughs> agreed. And and it's one of those when someone brought it up to me, I'm like, eh, fuck. But I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't affect my remembrance of this movie. Okay. 
I need to know Dick Warlock. I need to know what you guys think of his portrayal of Michael Myers. Best Michael Myers ever. <laughs> oh my god. No way. Dick Best Warlock Michael is a, Myers ever. He is your A number one. Best Michael Myers ever. I said no. it three times. Okay, alright. You get it? Wow. <laughs> Jot it down. Dave Gang of the Road, best Michael Myers ever, Dick okay. Warlock. Period. I mean, I enjoy it, but it gets a little too robotic for me in certain parts of the movie. He's a I machine. Think the I think especially when you get the certain points. I love the weirdness you know, of it. Um, you know, like the mouse cockeye, you know. And I don't know. It's I not it. It's not the best, man. Okay. Um, Says you? It's top. <laughs> it's my third favorite. Okay. It's my third favorite. Okay. Well, that's better than saying it's like you're, you know, it's worse than Resurrection. Oh, my God. I'm not sure why I'd have it ranked, but I I think I'm in that ballpark with you, Lord. Um, But you, uh, interesting that you brought up about the mask. That's, it's the same mask. Yeah, I know, but like in certain scenes, the, the, yes, I know what you're talking about. Shit is off, you know, a little bit. And I like that. It's weird. It's it's un. There's one scene. Unsettling. I think it's whenever he's in the hospital. It's in the hospital, and it's the the chase scene with Laurie going down through the the basement of the hospital, and he's very slowly going down the stairs. Which in the first one, he came down the stairs very cat like. Right. But right. it's okay because the angle that it's shot, it gives like an almost demonic. I love the face. visual of that face. No, I do too. I really do. I like that, but. As a whole, it was a little distracting because, like, the mask is different. It's the same night, but Dick Warlock's shape of his head was yeah. different He's than Nick wider Castle's. than Castle's. Got a narrow face. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, Deborah Hill, who was the producer and co-writer of the original, she had the original mask, and it was basically, I guess, from what I understand, it was just tucked under her bed in her house, and she mm. was a heavy smoker and age and dust and... You know, that just Nick, like Nick Castle years, walked though. around the lot with it in his back pocket. Yeah, that's I mean, right. He didn't yeah, treat it like a, you know, well, nobody knew. Might, yeah, I know. You know, we're it's just making just, a little budget movie, boys. Yeah, we're just making a movie, man. Yep, right oh, on. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, like I said, we we get Jamie Lee back as Laurie, and it's an awful looking wig. After you know it, yeah. you can tell. Yeah, well, I didn't know it for the first. Bunch I, of years. I think maybe I might have noticed like there's something off about it, but I understood that like okay, first one came out seventy eight. This is eighty one. You know, maybe she did something different with her. You know, it's. I guess I was like, I'll allow it. I at accept a young age. things easily. I guess. Yeah, I don't think I noticed it when I was a kid. I don't I think I saw this movie it was like nine or something like eight or nine. Yeah, somebody so. had to tell me. Oh, that's a problem with the con- you know continuity, and I'm like, oh come on, it's minor. No, come it's, on, yeah, it's com- completely. Yeah. It's, it's minor. It's definitely minor. I'm glad you admit that. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> but versus the eight grand that she made on the first movie, she made eighty thousand dollars on this one. And she deserved the bump, but man, this portrayal she, is kind of very docile, yeah. and she was only in it for just over twenty-five minutes. Yeah, screen time total. Okay, she's awfully quiet. Well, I mean, she's kind of dosed up basically the whole time, more or yeah, less. With quiet seventy-eight, you know. she's a you know librarian girl. Yeah, she's I mean, very she's, mousy. Yeah. Okay, and now all of a sudden, you know, twenty years later, and then again, forty years later, I'm supposed to accept that she's you know turned badass, freaking Sarah Connor. I mean. <sighs> 
if you eliminate this movie, yeah, sure. I yeah, playing off I totally just could. the first one. If you absolutely okay. could, I'm able. I have to, a hard time separating this movie. It's from hard. The I you have okay. to though because it's important. It's the only way you can. No, I have a hard time with that. I understand. <clears throat> but going back to you know now we're back talking about the hospital. But it seemed like in the early '80s, like everybody was doing a hospital horror movie. Yeah. You know, and not to, not to an effective a standard as this. No, I don't think so. No, I agree with you on that. We got visiting hours. It's it's good, but I have it ranked yeah. below this. Yeah, it's a good performance yeah, by Mike dude. Warren. Size that's nice. He he plays a good whack job in that. I think convincing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean there was a there was. A, whole wave of these movies x-ray there was another one i mean there was all kinds of them but we kind of already talked about this has to be the most the well actually not the most the least busy and poorly lit hospital in the history of cinema but there's actually when we talked about in the original there were you know extra scenes that were filmed there were scenes that were deleted out of this Mm -hmm. not for you know gore you know sexuality or anything like that that were taken out but with these scenes, we find out that we know why the power is like kind of out in the hospital because Michael Myers cut the power. Right. We don't get that in a theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like we just kind of accept it and go along with it. Well, I mean, the people don't really acknowledge that the power is, you know, the lights are really right. Yeah, it's like so it's like this is just I'm, how it is. If they're accepting it. Why? Haddonfield <laughs> Memorial. Right, right. Exactly. This is what's being presented. So okay. <laughs> Yeah, but... uh, I like it. You know, it sets the tone. Sure. But I really like the dynamic of the setting of the hospital with a serial killer on the loose. It's, you know, because hospitals usually represent safety and healing and comfort. uh, And, you know, placing a serial killer type like Michael Myers in that setting, it kind of turns it on its ear. And I like that. I think that's interesting. It would have been a lot cooler if they had more patience. You know, to be honest, you know, and that'd give the kill count a little more, bump it up a hair. Right. Okay. You know, just some random, you know, person that maybe on life support. Michael takes him out anyway. You know, that would have been cool. Okay. I thought. Before we get too far past it, uh, another thing about deleted scenes or scenes that weren't filmed for this movie. Okay. The uh, novelization of this had a scene that happens. Between Michael being at the the Elrods and the Haddonfield location to getting to the hospital, in the book, we have the reporter. uh, It's not the reporter. It's the camera lady or whatever for Robert Mundy Mm -hmm. when he's reporting live from Mm -hmm. Haddonfield. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they have a little side story with her where she goes to leave that location at the Myers house or wherever, leaving the murder scene. And... She goes out this back road to get to the hospital because she wants to interview Lori. And she runs into one of the cops and they tell her, oh, you know, I think Sheriff Brackett wants to interview Lori first before any any reporters get to her. And she kind of brushes them off and, okay, you know, and goes about her way anyway. And he mentions she has a flat tire. So down the road, of course, her tire goes Mm-hmm. completely flat and she has to stop along the road and some good old boy stops by and says you know hey I can help you out and he's trying to head on her and run his hand up her leg while he's trying to set the jack mm-hmm. under the car and stuff and she finally set the jack she brushes against the car and almost knocks the car over on him you know and tells him to piss off and then 
she finishes it up. When she gets back in her trunk, uh, Michael Myers, she pulls a blanket off of... She's seen a blanket in there when she went to get the jack, but she didn't, you know, uncover it. But when she goes back, she uncovers it. And it's Michael Myers. He sets up and grabs her by the throat and slits her neck. And hmm. kills her and takes the car, and that's how he gets to the Haddonfield Memorial. Ah. So it's a cool little hmm. so part in the book. walking. Yeah. Which is boring. <laughs> cardio. Yeah, cardio. But I like where we get the, you know, the boy in his boombox walking down the street. With yeah, the it's basically report. running into Dad. Yeah. Because that's actually Dick Warlock's song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've read that. Yep. Um, does the... I, I want to ask you guys, because I've kind of recently discovered that this is uh, this is kind of a line of thought with people with this movie. Does this movie, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's going to affect it for you, but mm. does the movie lose steam once we get to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital? No. No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, it, okay, I guess it would drop down at just a hair because they're still trying to introduce new characters to the, you know, to the storyline and everything. Yeah. So we can kill them, of course. We're also <laughs> building tension, though. You know, so, you know, we are introduced to Bud. <laughs> Leo Rossi, Bud the Stud, you know, <laughs> Nurse Karen. You got to set all the yeah, all these characters up, right? You know? Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. Don't make me cry. I need your pie. But why don't you just shut up, all right? Um, no, I mean, yeah, you get a little downtime. Okay, but I mean, it it builds back up, you know. It plays into it. I don't. I don't see a bit of problem with it. Okay. And I figured that's yep. given not gonna, what we've had prior to this. I figured that would. You're be not going to get a whole lot of criticizing out <laughs> of me. <laughs> but no, and and honestly, like after I kind of figured out this was a con, kind of a common thread with certain viewers, kind of made me think about things and like, well, man, there's. I, I could see, like you said, you're getting this introduction of all these new characters, and it's just fodder, more or less. Right. Absolutely. But. I agree with you too, King. It does build tension. Yeah. It just doesn't do it as effectively as John Carpenter did with the original. All right. But so that's, that's you. but that is a that is a tough that that's an unfair standard to hold this movie to. You know what I mean? But I give I, I just give this one, you know, undying credit as being yeah. the same movie just continued. I I think they did a Fair enough job of no, I agree. I this between is, Rosenthal making you know making good of what he had from Carpenter. I think he did a good job. I think it's hilarious that Doctor Mixter is drunk as fuck oh, yeah. and he's giving her shots and he's <laughs> like you know talking about putting her out and like I need however many CCs you know and he's yeah, like give me a coffee. <laughs> this one, give me a coffee. This is a sketchy hospital. Yeah, right? It is. It's a little sketchy. <laughs> And you know, I think it all starts with Dr. Mixter. And they talk right in front of the woman with the boy that got his mouth cut with a razor. His first They're like, I think he's drunk, you know. Like, Dr. Mixter's been at the country club all night, and I think right. he's drunk. I mean, they say that in earshot of those people. Sure. And I'm like, well, and that's Lori. Not... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's well, true. I don't know if she's receiving all that. Well, right. She's, right, she's in shock. But yeah, his first step was, step was a stumble. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> Give me yeah. that coffee stat. <laughs> He's taking ibuprofen or some shit or aspirin. <laughs> but uh, actually, Adderall. <laughs> but in the uh, some of the deleted scenes, you actually get more of uh, Doctor Mixter 
you get more dialogue with him yeah. in the in the hospital. Yeah, you don't get very much. No, he's just basically a that's a, another background <laughs> character. Um, but we get uh, Charles Cyphers reprising his role as Sheriff Brackett. He really seems very skeptical and doubtful of Loomis, despite knowing that there has been murders. Well, he just blames him, you know, pretty much throughout it. Well, after he f- figures out that his daughter's been killed, yes. Well, yeah. I think he mentioned right before that, too, you know, and while they're in the car ride. and then with That's the, right, he's like, his own bit, goddamn doctor. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right, you're with, right. When he's talking with Ramsey and all that stuff. You let him out. And everything. Yeah, you let him out, Doc, you know. He's like, I didn't let him out. While Loomis is loading his fucking gun. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I didn't let him out. It was kind of arrogant, you know, at that, that scene. You know? I gave him orders for him to be restrained. Yeah. Well, at that point, I, I mean, you got to... But it's true. You know? I mean, you got to think at that point with Loomis. I mean, you know, we kind of discussed in the original, he's this kind of haggard, just worn out guy, you know, that's basically saying, hey, this 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 dude's messed up and right. he's not to be trifled with. And now that he's actually done what he has been telling everybody that's going to happen, there's got to be a bit of satisfaction there with that right. ego. Like, yeah. fucking told you. <laughs> I'm telling you there's a real possibility that Michael Myers is still out there. <laughs> Dude, your Loomis rants are epic. I love them. <laughs> so we get the infamous Ben Tramer. Yes, yes, that Bennett Tramer death scene. I mean, what can I say? There is no romance now for him and Lori. Moving forward. No. Tragic. Game over. Game over. Fun fact. It wasn't going anywhere. No, it wasn't. (laughs) She was trying to get him cold off anyway. (laughs) Uh, Fun fact. The cop that hits Ben Tramer is actually Dick Warlock, who is the stunt coordinator and played Michael Myers. So does this technically count as a kill for Michael Myers? Uh, Uh, Sure. No, it's a Ramsey kill. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. This this kill... (laughs) Look, we're going to have to talk about this kill. Because if you yeah. want to talk about a situation that I didn't buy into the first time I saw it and still doesn't, you know, set well with me, is the fact that this cop's driving at that speed down that road. I agree and with to you, the, To the point where even if Michael Myers wasn't walking out in the front, you know, in front of him in the road or Ben Tramer, yeah. so it is, that cop still wouldn't have stopped before he hit that van. Because, I mean, he was hauling ass. Right. And he didn't have any intention of breaking until, shit, I just hit a guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. and now, then it's too late. Ben Tramer was drunk. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> that he cop was be. drunk. You're right. He was in a residential neighborhood. Yeah. He's going at least 50 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> here, here, here's the scene. You'll get me on But was he on a call? It well, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Br- yeah. yeah. Bracken called him in. Remember? Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like, I need to meet up at the... Uh, What's he texting? Over by the bypass. Yeah, bypass. Yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't have texting back then, yeah. so he wasn't texting. Well, he was just driving. on the horn. He's on the beep on the. Um... Yeah, but you can look at that. You just grab it up and you know keep on your eyes CD. on the road, boys, and your hands upon the wheel. Oh, he, yeah, he was hauling ass though. So. Okay. <laughs> it. I think it's 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 just a shitty situation, and um, they're a, both at fault. To be it honest, made it exciting. Know? Yeah, it made for an exciting, it was badass, it was a good scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, not only in this movie, I mean, in the entire franchise, <laughs> this is a scene that stands out. That, like, I mean, fans just they they always talk about this. I mean, hell, Ben Tramer has his own following. I mean, at <laughs> Horrorhound Weekend last year, I bought Adrian a freaking Remember Ben Tramer silly band, <laughs> nice for a buck, you know, because 
you know. I it, appreciate you for supporting Halloween too in that way, Matt. I so, don't not like this movie. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do not like Fuck this you, movie. Fuck you, Ken. You don't like it as much as I do. No, I don't. Well, there you go. So, <sighs> what do you think of the mask? Where are you guys at with Ben Tramer's mask? <laughs> Fucking awesome. You like it? Okay. It's I, just... It's, I, own a, I own a copy of it from Trick or Treat Studios. Yeah. It's not exact, but it's... It if I was in a Halloween store, you know, in Haddonfield that night, and I seen those masks up in that, in that store and everything... For purchase, I would have bought the one that Michael gets over that one. I agree. <laughs> cool, yeah, I mean, sure, just, but it was already like, taken. I'm not a really big fan of the blonde, you know, yeah. aspect to it. It's a little too blue. I don't okay. know the tone. Yeah, it's a little. I don't know. Who cares? And why did he wear the same it. jumpsuit as Michael Myers? I mean, come on. <laughs> this is a really, really what rare coincidence. Odds? What are the odds? Yeah. Yep. It's like, I'm going to get a mechanic suit. Uh, yeah, because nobody else is wearing this tonight. <laughs> oh, just so happens. Guess who's back in town? Mikey Mills. Yeah, he decided to wear the same shit as me. <laughs> if that wasn't Michael Myers burning up in that car, then a lot of other kids are going to be slaughtered tonight. He's dead. I saw him. I saw a man in a mask. It was him. I want to believe you, but i got to be sure. I can't stop until I'm certain that he's dead. You're talking about him like he's some kind of animal. He was my... Would you keep him back? He was my patient for 15 years. He became an obsession with me until I realized that there was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. An hour ago, I stood up and, and fired six shots into him. He just got up and walked away. I am talking about the real possibility that he is still out there. a cool there. cameo from Dana Carvey, who is most famous from being on Saturday Night Live and being Garth Algar from Wayne's World. He's the news reporter assistant that you talked about, Dave, mm -hmm. uh, in the vest and trucker hat right before Brackett sees Annie's dead body. Mm -hmm. And also at the end, when Lori's being loaded into the ambulance. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. No speaking lines, and you really don't get a good view of his face. And if you didn't know... Right, you would never, you would well, never know. It's in the credits, but right, that. right, exactly. It's almost like kind of one of those blink and you miss it. Yeah, right. Oh, it definitely is. If you were watching this movie and you 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 know for the first time didn't know did not know about Dana Carvey and you were looking at the credits, you'd probably do a rewatch real quick just to see where or you know quick you know fast forward to where yep. the hell is he. <laughs> Kind of right. like One Love Forever by Christine King, the book that you insisted is in the uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, first movie. Right. I, I went back and checked that. Yeah? Yeah. I, I found it, but it doesn't say Christine King in any visual form. Just, you see the title of the book. and Okay. But it is written by Christine King. Yeah, yeah, I had to do some. It's an old code, but it checks out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's an old, I cannot believe you just referenced You fucking hate Star Wars. I cannot believe it. I really appreciate uh, that. Man. I am well so happy I did that. Yeah. Don't, you should just watch the movies. Well timed. I did watch the original three. Well, that's the only three you needed to yeah. see. Okay. But it's been well, good. years. I respect that. Yeah, I'd, I've never seen any of the new ones. Anyone that hasn't seen any of them, that's the three I would recommend they watch and stop at. <laughs> okay. Well, Moving on. I'm there. Okay. But referencing back to uh, the boy walking around in the cowboy hat and the boombox with a shoulder that bumps into Michael Myers, that's you know Dick Warlock's son Lance. Uh, his other son, Billy, played Bill in Society that you mm -hmm. talked about from 89. Oof. 
that stinger that we get when he runs into him, is that not better than any of the stingers from the original? I mean, we didn't have that. No, it's not. It's good. I like it's it. It's a good one. It's a real good one. Perfect placement. Yeah. Because you get dunk, 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 dunk. Yeah, I, I mean, come on, it's cool. I don't care. You guys don't like it. <laughs> You're wrong. I just don't like it as much as you, Dave. All right. That's all. But suppose I enjoy it. I do enjoy this movie. Yeah, and I, the score is not terrible. I mean, it's not. It's nothing that's. It, it doesn't take away. It doesn't no. ruin the movie for me in any aspect. You got to think. You know. Reverting back to what Kane said, you know, he just got shot seven times. He's pissed off, you know. Yeah. yeah. The the mood has changed. The mentality is... has changed. The score has changed. Uh, I like that. I like that. I do too. Nice. The tone has changed. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good call. <laughs> that's how I that's how you gotta no, I like it. it, man. I no, do, I like man. That. I never really thought about that. That's actually a really cool but the actual, the practical way, the reason why it happened the way they went with, you know, the synthesizers is because it was cheaper. You know, yeah. to hire a freaking orchestra. Yeah. It was just Alan Howard and John orchestra? Carpenter. John Carpenter sat on his piano I by himself know, and recorded and, the soundtrack. And Alan Howarth has even said that the fact that the his original score was so simplistic, you didn't need to. But right. it made it even easier going yeah. this route. Yeah. It's already written. Yeah. Just... There's nothing right. wrong with what he did Just with the, the score. No. Nothing. No. I will say I like what he did better with part four. Anyways. Right. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> but supposedly in this scene where, you know, Michael Myers bumps into the boombox boy, there's the uh, the news broadcast being saved like Lori Strode's been transported to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital and just of course right there at the street corner there's a sign saying Haddonfield Memorial this way so Michael Myers takes off perfect and that's how he gets uh, to the hospital versus the the way you talked about with the reporter which I feel like honestly I like this version better I think it fits a little better it's more of a subtle kind of like if you're paying attention oh okay that makes sense yeah. You know, I'm because fine with it. I didn't pick up on it first couple watches. It was just to me, it was a it was a jump scene. Yeah, because you get that stinger. Survivor, seventeen-year-old Lori Strode was found directly across the street from the home where the murders took place. The teenager was taken across town to Haddonfield Memorial Clinic. It leads up to a shot uh, that means a lot to me personally. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm aware that it means a lot to you personally. Yeah, I know. I know. And <laughs> it's I've kind of gathered that it's probably not as relevant and significant as it is to many other people. But when Nurse Karen, who is played by Pamela Susan Shoup, she gets out of her car at Haddonfield Memorial. Red 65 Mustang? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she shuts the door in the side mirror. You see Michael Myers right there. First time I watched this, it was on USA Network late at night, regular TV, and uh, it was just, I honestly believe this was the moment that I fell in love with horror. Like, I genuinely fell in love. Like, this fucking guy is everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. He is everywhere. He is relentless. He is a juggernaut. You can't get away from him. No. And it was such a... I don't know, for me, it was such a 
standout scene and the the visual of what it represented I don't know it just really stood out to me and it still has and obviously you know I uh, commissioned a piece of piece of artwork from you of that very scene and it is magnificent and beautiful and I appreciated you doing that check out Kane art if you want a print of it absolutely and it's uh it, it that that scene to me it, I, I was already a fan even before seeing the movies because of what my mother told me about the original but then seeing this and seeing that moment I was like you know what I think I really like this horror stuff mm-hmm. yeah. I think I like being scared it's yeah. fun you know that's, so that's where this movie stands out for me more is it's more fun there's more of gotcha. like a fun aspect to uh almost rooting for Michael Myers whereas before you're you know you don't know what what you're rooting for yeah you're rooting for Lori you want her to be safe yeah right you're rooting for Dr. Loomis because he's good you know but in this one because of the climate of the horror slasher subgenre you know it's you start rooting for the bad guy that's maybe why I like this one more I guess I'm I'm rooting for a different team (laughs) I got got you inadvertently (laughs) But we're in the hospital now, and we already talked about Bud, and <laughs> he's just smoking a roach right there in the hospital cafeteria. <laughs> oh, Bud don't care, man. Yeah, Bud don't give a shit. No shits to give. No, Dude, the doctor's drunk. Yeah, like I said, this is a Dude, shady-ass is. hospital, yeah. man. They, per- they, they play it pretty loose here. You got drunk doctors, high ambulance drivers, you got slutty, derelict nurses. It's midnight Overdosing their patients. I mean, okay. shit, son, just have at it, you know? <laughs> Michael Myers, come on in. I'm sure... Mr. Garrett ain't gonna stop shit. No. no. Not one You're right about that. <laughs> no, I actually like Security Bud. is He's- very, very lax. No, but I like Bud. I actually do like Bud. Uh, he's he's a fun character. I like the levity he brings. He has that kind of uh, that, you know, that New York, New Jersey kind of vibe. Because yeah. obviously, I mean, he's you know since then he's kind of been more uh, typecast with the mobster type yeah. characters. And um, no, but I, I think he's. <laughs> he, Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. <laughs> That's just—it's so funny. I mean, you just—you can't help the grin at old Bud, man. Yeah, he's a character. But just wants to get laid. Yeah, get fucked up. Get laid, get paid. <laughs> yeah, word. So again, talking about you know the the aspect of having you know a serial killer in close proximity to children, we get the scene where Michael Myers is kind of hiding out. In the nursery, yeah. that is chilling. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's yeah. made really your question chilling. real quick. Like, oh, how far is he going to willing yeah. to go? Yeah, yeah. what's going to happen? He's, he's cool. Yep. You know, he had his chance though. He wasn't really trying to kill um, the kids in the first one either. No. So yeah, it wasn't about them, but it, it gives you that uneasy feeling, that uncertainty. Like, oh, where's this guy going to take me? And you already know yeah. it's not John Carpenter, so it's like, right. Friday the 13th has come out since then. Friday the 13th, you know, it, it there's doubt. Yeah. I, and and I think that works. I, Again, I like as a that. young kid, though, I don't consider as this isn't John Carpenter now. So, I mean, yeah. It you, all still... It, it's all one movie to me. It's I got you. But in ad- addition to uh, Bud, we have Jimmy, who is played by Lance Guest, who is probably most famous from being in 
Jaws the Revenge is Mike Brody. Mm-hmm. He's also in The Last Starfighter, which was ironically directed by Nick Castle, yep. the original yep. shape. Um, we finally get the backstory that he spills the beans to Lori that Michael Myers was the person that attacked her. And she's like, the little boy on Halloween that attacked his sister? It's all you know, starting to come together. Here, right, yeah, where it's coming to a culmination, right? They should have handled it more carefully. Oh. Michael Myers. Michael Myers? Yeah, he, he was the guy that was after you. In the Myers house? A little kid who killed his sister? Yeah. But he's in a hospital somewhere. He escaped last night. How do you know? It's all over the radio. Television, too. It's on right now. Um, and, and since Michael Myers, he's in this hospital, he pretty much trades in the trademark butcher knife for a scalpel in this. Yeah, thumbs up, weak. thumbs down. It's weak. But, you know, you got to work with, with what you got. But it's the hospital. I don't know. There's got to be a... There's way better tools. Bone saw? Eh. Never question Michael Myers. I mean, that's where I'm at with it. Like, I don't, I don't consider it as a, a deal breaker either. There's, there's a lot of things that people will find deal breakers with on this that I won't. Okay. Like they have those amputation knives. Yeah. You know, like a saw. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a saw necessarily. Is that, is that what they call to bone amputate? Saw? They have a bone saw. Yeah, bone saw, you have to saw? have a bone saw to amputate. Is, was, is it just like a regular knife or anything? No, it's or? a fucking almost like, like a, a saw, hacksaw. Like a hacksaw. Yes, exactly. Oh, hacksaw. Okay, it's like a. I know that these got like I'm talking like from like the Civil War era, you know, the, those kind of old school. Oh, know. the narrow, yeah, uh, blade. Okay, I know it's got to be about. serrated to yeah, right, hack they through were, a bone. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's what they that, that would be that would be cool, you know. Souls. But like a more modern, he you know, effectively used that, the scalpel you know? for me. I mean, in my yeah, opinion. I mean, so I don't know as do you could hold a, a woman up you know? by her, you know, spine. That was pretty bad. That was well, cool. I did. I allowed visual. it because it was too cool. Yeah. yeah, it was a very cool visual. Yeah, yeah. But we get the the sequence with Mr. Garrett, who's played by Cliff Emick. Um, I, I I have a couple issues with this. Uh, first, we get the cat jumping out of nowhere trope, which I hate. <laughs> and two, yeah, you hate cheap, cheap yeah uh, that's games. I don't like that. Very pedestrian. I needed some opinion. clown music behind it. Yeah, no. let's let's wait a couple seconds. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we're not going to pull that trigger just quite yeah, yet. Right. We're going to save that, that Halloween shit with me. <laughs> we're going we're to save that one to save Been the series. Treated to death tonight. <laughs> but the second thing is, is why in the hell is he checking rooms that are padlocked? Now they're unlocked, but they're just unhinged, right? They're, and they're shut from the outside. Why in the hell are you even looking here? There's no possible right. way. He's a he, shitty security well, guard. He's never even done this once before. So now it's his first time, and he's like, I don't know what to do. I mean, check, you're, check the perimeter? I mean, your suspect <laughs> isn't there, but I will say this: the claw we get, the claw hammer into the head. Oh, yeah. my God. And that thunk. Yeah, the sound is perfect. Oh, my God. Do you, do you know what sound they use for that? What's no, that? I don't. Was it a cantaloupe? <laughs> or a rock? Let's say what fruit they smacked with what the hammer of that. 
cassava. A cassava, yeah. That's a pretty sturdy thud. Yeah, it almost had like a metallic sound to it, and I think that adds to the effectiveness yeah. of yeah. it. And it's just, it's one of those where you just, oh, oh, you just cringe. And you get one of those in Friday the 13th Part 2 also mm-hmm. from 81 with the sheriff or whatever the law enforcement guy is. But no, it's just, oh, all that tension. I don't know that it's worth that payoff or that kill. The kill is effective, mm-hmm. but I think it's only effective. It's the sound effect and it's the yeah. visual, you know. Yeah. Without one or the other, I don't think it works. When you watched this on the USA back in the day, every commercial break where they'd show, like, we'll return after these messages to Halloween, they would show that scene, like, repetitively in yeah. the little, like, mo- the quick montage before we go to a commercial break or after we come back from a commercial break. Yeah. Where they would show that scene over and over. I just remember that. Yep, that's right. But uh, the the dentist that identifies that uh, Ben Tramer is not Michael Myers. He's uh, credited as Graham. It's Jeffrey Kramer who played Deputy Hendricks in Jaws and Jaws Two. Um, that was pretty cool. It's neat that you know a character from one of my other favorite movies of all time, you know, yeah. franchises, you know, he was kind of a crossover in this and I immediately recognized him in this because yeah. obviously I've seen Jaws since then before that. But one thing I want to ask you guys, uh, after Sheriff Brackett discovers that Annie is dead, Deputy Gary Hunt, who is played by Hunter Von Lear, he basically kind of takes over the role of Sheriff Brackett here yeah. in a way. I want to know, what are your guys' thoughts on him? I mean, do you feel like he filled the shoes yeah. that Charles Cyphers had? Yeah, sure. Stepping he was, in? He's kind of a laid-back, you know. He's got smoking his cigarettes. Yeah, a little, and, yeah younger, you know, younger guy. Younger guy and everything. I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I like it. Brackett, Brackett was emotionally distressed, you know. Distraught, yeah. and he can't function. And, yeah. Hunt was obviously more, like, accepting to what Loomis told him. You know, he's like, yeah, well, you know, yeah. I've seen some shit go down tonight, so I'm, I'm buying what you're telling me. Now. Right. Yeah. No, I, I like what he brought to it, and I kind of feel like he's one of the unsung heroes in the franchise. Not only in this movie, I, I think he, he did a pretty adequate job. Yeah. I don't think he stands out that much to me, but no, I, I mean, he, I, I don't know if he stands out, but he's noticeable at least mm-hmm. for me, and. You know, the scenes that he has with Donald Pleasance, I mean, they're, I like those scenes, yeah. you know, where they go back to the Myers house and, you know, there's dialogue between them and, yeah. you know. Talking he, about when he remembers it. Yeah, when he was a kid. Yeah, and... I like that. I think it's good. And it's it all plays into that continuity yeah. that I love yeah. with sequels. And uh, I was just curious what you guys, yeah. you know, what your guys' thoughts were on uh, on his character and you know, what he ended up representing in this movie. But we get some dream... Well, I'm glad they went oh. with him over Ramsey because, I mean, that guy's a, <laughs> an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to just broaden the horizon of the police force other than Brackett, I mean, it, you know, right. gives a more realistic element to it. And he did his job fine. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, just kind of talking ahead just a little bit here. It's been rumored that Charles Cyphers is going to come back as Sheriff, not necessarily as Sheriff Brackett, but as Lee Brackett in the Halloween Kills sequel that's going to be coming out here next year. Not confirmed? Not, I don't, I don't feel like it's completely confirmed yet. I, I still kind of categorize it as a rumor. Right. I'm seeing that rock kicked around a lot. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. What are your thoughts if they brought back uh, Gary Hunt? Oh, that'd be fit. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be great. Yeah. I think that would be cool, too. I really do. Like, I thought, like they're retired wrecking buddies or something? Yeah, maybe. Catch them at the local pub. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be a nice little... And they're uh, like, hey, let's get in on the action here. Right. Right. More I mean, it's old time. obviously it's not canon with the timeline, but, you know... I don't know. I think that'd be. I don't. Know. I re, I I liked Tommy Doyle's rejoining the fray too. Yeah, we just got that news today at the time of this recording that Anthony Michael Hall is going to be yep. Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. I like that. I think oh, that's a good cast choice. I like that. I'm I think just it's... curious what they're what they're doing with that character. Yeah, yeah. Even more curious, Tom Atkins. Yeah, his possibility kicked around that. too, and that's that's a lot of fun for me. What are they going to cool. do with him? Yeah, I, he can't. He can't. <laughs> he can't be Dan Chalice. Why not? Why couldn't he? He could just be a regular doctor in a hospital, and that's his role. Yeah, and he plays you know Chalice. Yeah, it doesn't have to be what you expect. I mean, right? right. Well, I don't have an expectation. I mean, That's the it, thing with for him. Me, it's just seeing with him, these I'm more curious faces. with what they could do. I mean, obviously, Tommy Doyle is going to be the character of Tommy Doyle with you know Chalice. Well, what yeah. could it be? Because it, it might not be what we expect. Would you have rather had Paul Rudd over Anthony Michael Hall? No, no, right on. But I do like Paul Rudd. I don't like. I like Paul Rudd. I just don't like his portrayal as Tommy Doyle. But if they signed him, I would have been okay with it because I know he would have taken it a completely different direction. Interesting. We're going to get. I'm not going because he's a really good actor, right? You know, so yeah. I, I really think he could change that tone I'm and righted the ship a little bit with Tommy Doyle. Let's stick a pin in that because we'll get to this because <laughs> okay. I I have thoughts on that. But right. yeah, we'll get back to that. So okay, we already talked about the hot tub scene with uh, Karen and Bud and. Uh, on behalf of my two co-hosts, thank you, Pamela Susan Shoop, for doing <laughs> yeah. what you did. Those are some magnificent boobs. <laughs> they yeah, are they're, fantastic. They're high, on my, they're high on my rating scale. Yes, if we're going to rate boobs that we've seen in our lifetime, yes. they're, they're up there, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> Top five for sure. <laughs> Most memorable boobs. <laughs> Of all time. Again, there's some there's some rose colored glasses here, you know. Maybe my first boobs, you know, I don't know. Oh, okay. But the uh, the water in the hot tub at that during this scene was actually cold and I found that interesting. But you can tell by looking at her. Right. Well, I mean before she's in the in the damn tub, I mean she's on point. Well that was probably like the second or third take or some shit like uh, that. That could know? be, that's true. That's very true. Uh, he did have to get turn the water up. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a brutal death for Karen, but it's a little on the unre- unrealistic side, especially since you know she's getting dunked in repeatedly in this, you know, yeah. boiling hot hot tub water. His hands not getting scalded. Hey, it's Michael he doesn't Myers. care. He's invincible force. He just got he just shot says, seven times. Just block the pain. More off. importantly, back up. I mean, <laughs> the water is scalding after how much time has passed. Not much. Not much. Well, I've I've tried to warm water up before. Okay. You know, and it don't warm up that quick. No, it doesn't. Not to scald you like that. But right. Again, we're suspending disbelief. Yeah, sure. And it works because it's it's a really it's a good scene. It is. It's, oh yeah, it's one of the best kills of all time. 
it would have been cool if they would have elaborated on the Bud death a little bit. Um, you know, it, it was just a weak background kill. You know, so I like it. I mean, I'm okay with it. If you're gonna if you're gonna up the game a little bit, might as well get a shot in there of Bud getting it, and then cut back to you know that shot. I see what where you're it's saying. Where it's silent, you know, okay. ask a little mm-hmm. bit and everything. I'm perfectly back over. perfectly okay with the way that I am too. I yeah. am too. I just no. I I see what you're saying. It, it would be cool. Yeah, so it could have. That'd been a nice little addition. Yeah. I hear you on that. Yeah, couldn't wait. It would not have been bad. Okay, so I want to discuss here. Do you, do either of you know the uh, story with this scene when it comes to uh, between Pamela Susan Shoop and director Rick Rosenthal? Yeah, he said there wasn't going to be anybody else in the room watching it, but. Well, and I guess he had to do retakes. Or well, I guess supposedly it was uh, she agreed to do. Oh, the he'd nude be naked if if she would yes. do it right. Yes. was it naked or in his underwear? I can't remember which mm-hmm. one it is, but he would agree. Was that? And supposedly she's saying that he didn't. He's saying that he did. Who you got? <laughs> you on no. Nurse Karen or we on Director Rick Rosenthal's side here? Who you got? She knows what she's got, and she figured might as well show it while I got it. Ain't gonna be young forever. I mean, she knows what she had. I'm glad she did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't know. I he was probably in his underwear at best. Okay. <laughs> so you're in the Rosenthal camp here a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Where are you at, Lord? I mean, who do you believe? Would she have a reason to lie? So I mean, and she's not like. She wasn't, like, asking for money or some shit like that, you know? Well, it was a dispute, didn't. and it halted shooting for a oh, amount of time. Oh, and I guess okay. Leo Rossi actually, I guess Rick Rosenthal asked Leo Rossi to kind of, hey, I think she's close to agreeing. Won't you kind of, you know, coax her a little bit? Threw her right. a couple hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> Get them dollar, dollar bills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where are you at on it? I think I believe her. That's what I'm saying. I don't think she had a reason to lie about it. I, I, I think I believe her. I don't know. There's something about... Because uh, I've seen the uh, you know the 25 Years of Terror, and I've saw the uh, the Nightmare Isn't Over from Shout Factory for this movie in particular. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about Rosenthal where... I mean, I'm not saying he's shady, but like I feel like there's something very businessman-like about him where he just kind of like, eh, yeah, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. Right. You know? I don't know. I, I I think I side with her. Yeah, but no, just a little interesting. Either thing way, there. God bless it. Yeah, so, I oh, mean yeah, it's it's yeah. a iconic scene, and you know, <laughs> I'm, glad and, and, the, I'm glad he got the shot. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> and absolutely. arguably the it, it is one of the best kills in the franchise. Period. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really it's is. Pretty gnarly. It, it could be in the top two or three for sure. That skin on that cheek is just ripped, just flayed off, yeah. man. You yeah, know? it's cool. You get the progression down and up, down and up. I like that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But uh, when we get the scene wh- where they're at the school, we already kind of talked about where it's broken into, we, we, we kind of start going off on a tangent here, which further reinforces the, the timeline, si- the timeline <laughs> and we're the sibling subplot that we aren't quite aware of at this point. But we're reintroduced to Nurse Marion, played by N- Nancy Stevens from the original, and I like that. Yeah, that's another character that we get added in. That that continuity. Yes, absolutely, and I love that. Um, I hate that Donald Pleasance mispronounces Salwin as Samhain. 
but he just well, how do says you know it. he mispronounces it? Because it's known that you, it's Salen. Is it? Not, not Sam Hain. You don't say it phonetically. I always call it Sam Hain. Yeah, you know, fuck off. Yeah, man. I'm a Sam Hain guy. I'm a Sam Hain guy. You're on your own. Salen. Yeah. Salen, Salen boy. <laughs> Salen. I bet you can't see colors either, motherfucker. <laughs> What color not is Salen? Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that. No, I'm the same hand, same hand guy. Yeah, we're same hand guys. All right. <laughs> this is America. America. <laughs> we say Sam Hain. <laughs> King, we're going to talk about a scene I know you're going to absolutely discuss over, and it's the Dr. Mixter oh, death yes. reveal with Nurse Janet. Uh, you know, we kind of riff off. A little bit of the first. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Since, Maybe better. Okay, I want to know. I mean, do we you get think a kill better? out of it? Yeah, we do. Where in the first one we get a just a jump scare out of it. Right. So okay, I mean, is is this Man, better? A good kill. It's also in the in the rankings for top kills in the franchise. That's a cool kill, man. It's a cool visual. I agree with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I don't feel it fully captures what the original represented. <sighs> Just the lighting, everything about it. It's and the stinger again, you know, yeah. we get that. Yeah. Ooh. Good kill. It is. I agree with you. I don't what know. You, what do you got, Lord? Oh, I rank it really high. Okay. Actually, you know. Okay. It's top definitely top five. Yeah. For me. Okay, but versus because I mean let's let's face it, I mean this is a rip off of the original. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh, okay. Compared to the original. Uh no. Okay. No, I would say. Okay. I like the original better. Which one do you like? Better? Man, <laughs> putting you on the spot. You are putting me on the spot. Okay, this is this is a toss up for me. This is this is really close. This is the pin upon the day. This is fifty one forty nine. Yeah, one day <laughs> or the next. Yeah, I okay. love both. Okay, that's a tough call. All right, I do like it. It's a cool visual. Uh, like I said, it, it doesn't quite capture the what the original does, but it is. It's a nice. It's a nice, like, oh, they did it again. That's so cool. That they did it a little differently. Like you said, you get a kill here. Yeah, they didn't you get a steal it kill. completely. They, they made no. it their own. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a little, it was a little spin on it, but, yeah. Good scene. Mm-hmm. Very good yeah. scene. That so, whole atmosphere of that room being, you know, dark and yeah. her just finding out that Mixter's dead and he's got a Mixter. A syringe in his eyeball. I yeah. mean, like, that whole, like, setup for it is really good. Yeah. So, I mean, for its for its own thing, man, yeah, I, I almost want to say it's the better kill. I mean, it's the better... There's a, a better kill because it's the other one doesn't have a kill, but... Right. Uh, I think there's a, good, it, there's a good build-up in stuff. Yeah, that's what yeah, it's 5149. tone-wise and build-up. It's cool. It's I'd just too cool. I want to know... Okay. Before she was getting ready to spin that chair around, did you think it was Michael sitting there? No. No. I no. did. Did you? Really? I did. Hmm. Well, nah, I don't see Michael just sitting around, waiting around. I don't think I thought, oh, it's hey, Dr. Mixter. did in part four. Right, yeah. I guess. Starting a different timeline, you know, so. But as well, going off of first one. Yeah. I hadn't seen it. For, I hadn't seen it right. at this point. Yeah. But he's not really lying or sitting down unless he was, you know, down for the count for a few seconds, you know. Right. Other but, than that, he's on the move. 
Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I never considered it was him. No, I, I did. I did. For the for the very first time I watched this, I was like, oh, he's going to turn around. He is going to stab her in the face. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I consider you a dipshit for thinking that. No. But I mean, it's... Thank you. That means a yeah, lot. It doesn't, it doesn't mean like, oh, man, Matt's a fucking dumbass. You thought that? <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, I can I appreciate I where you might think that. Okay. No, I, I thought I was a it. doctor. And, I didn't uh, think it was Dr. Mixter. I didn't consider all oh, that's the, the drunk-ass doctor. <laughs> so I understand. Well, she says Dr. Mixter. Oh, yeah, she, yeah okay, yeah. all right. Well, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I understand it serves a story, but why does Lori feel the need to flee from her room as if she knows she's in certain danger? I mean... Her timing's impeccable. Yes. <laughs> It's not like she went out to investigate real quick and hey, see Matt. you. Know, she didn't find a dead body or anything. Fate. Fate. Oh, yeah, okay. oh you're going to throw that at me, huh? Yes. No matter how you intervene. <laughs> That's fate. My man. Yep. I like it. But like, but here's the thing also to go on with this. So she's like good now with her like reaction well, dude, to She's the had medication. a few hours to, for it to wear off. I mean, come on. Okay, she's so, hobbled still, though. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, but she's, she's basically comatose. Loopy. She's she's loopy though. Absolutely. She's probably spitting her drugs out in her pillow or raggedy and all whatever. <laughs> and her vision is obscure. Yeah, we know? get that POV from you know? her. I like a that. lot like the burning. Actually, yeah, a little bit. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. I do like that. I wonder I, how they did that. Did they use the old um, Vaseline you know, kind of trick? Honestly, or? I don't know. I didn't see anything on that. Hmm. Makes me think because this was this a higher budget movie, too. right? It's all same same year it was mm-hmm. filmed and everything. It makes me think because this was a higher budget movie. Maybe it was just something where they had better cameras, where they could do something something right. out of focus on the edges and you know be clear. I don't yeah, know. It's a little more smoother on the edges, like yeah. going into the clearer picture, right. Than it was in the burning. I enjoy the cat and mouse we get with Nurse Jill and Michael Myers with the security cameras. Yeah, I do too. That mm-hmm. is so cool. It's man. a good way to utilize. Yeah, it sets camera, the boundaries. You know. you know where we're at. I love it. It is so good. That is yeah. honestly that is one of those low key like mm-hmm. scenes in this movie in this entire series. Honestly, that I'm like, man, that works. Nailed. Nailed. That yeah. works. It's so good. It really is. And again, the timing of the score is, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. They've got the Lori's theme going, I think. And yeah. it's just. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that's way too much blood. Oh, for On the floor for Mrs. Alves. Right. That yeah. was played by Gloria Gifford. And Jimmy busts his ass on it, too. Yep. The old uh, slip of doom. That's <laughs> what takes him out, huh? I mean, that's what takes him out. Well. He staggers to his car, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Blood free. (laughs) All right. But it's... To get the exsanguinated kill. She didn't look like she had been exsanguinated. Yeah. You know, Uh, that was a ton of blood. And it was so red. It was like that fire engine red blood again. Almost kind of of cartoonish. That's another one of those shots they'd show during the uh, commercial breaks for USA. You see the scene of... Him slipping in the blood and falling yeah. his ass. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And when he slipped and everything, you know, and the blood splattered up. I thought that was really cool, but then the blood, like, thinned out. Yes. And everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was too watery or yeah. something, you know? Yep. So, uh, it's still cool, though. Yeah. I, I, I lot that was, that was really awesome. Yeah. It's I really mean, good. It's, it, it's kind of goofy on his, it is definitely goofy on his part. Yeah. 
But you gotta have them stay alive somehow, mm -hmm. you know. So we've already talked and about captain and, and um, incapacitate him, I guess, for yeah. a little bit. Right. I love the nurse Jill death scene that's played by Tony Moyer with the clogs falling off, yeah. where and the scalp yeah. on the back. It, again, totally unrealistic, but it's such a great <laughs> visual. Yeah. You know, and and I want to know here, like, because I feel like it, is it cut or edited weird because we see Michael Myers pop out from behind with no music cues, right? And then it cuts to Lori, and then we get the musical stinger when he jabs a scalpel in her back. No, I don't think so. Because I, I feel like we see Michael and it's like, oh, there he is, and there's nothing, and then we cut back, and then we get that. I, it it I seemed think, off I, to me. I think nah. it's kind of cool because, you know, if you're in the theater and then all of a sudden you see Michael Myers just come out and there's no sound or anything, no yeah. music going with it, you get the audience reaction like, oh my God, you know. But then, and then why, but when then, it comes why, in. But why follow with a stinger then at that point? I don't know. I, it, because I feel it's like going it, straight to the spine. You I, know? Just, I, think it, I think it diminishes that though. I don't know. Nah. No? For, for a theatrical... You know, for a first time view, first time view, yes. I think it works. I, it does work, and that's what I feel like you're it, going for. Okay, you know, so. fair enough. Okay, I got you. Yep. Okay. Good call. Yeah. Well, and at this point, another. Uh, by the way, another top five kill of the franchise. Oh, I mean, absolutely. This is where I'm. I'm coming into an argument with you. So no, I, it, <laughs> there are tons of memorable scenes in this movie, and, and I kills, and I do specifically. Yeah, kills, but even scenes quotes sure. just moments in this movie characters but uh at this point the hunt is on between michael and laurie once again and we're going down through the bowels of haddonfield memorial hospital to an elevator to a parking lot which is very tense Badass. super tense yeah. sequence yeah. i really enjoy it i it think a, dick warlock or you know i think michael myers could have walked a little bit faster going what on the elevator scene you know yes uh, Too slow. It's almost like he slowed down just to like yeah, maybe his battery is running down. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with your, you. You're obvious. He sticks his hand in the door. Right, the door did that would have opened back up right. because it would have opened back up. I've I don't know. This was like uh, I don't care. I've stuck. My I don't hand. know if they had the safety well, standards back then. <laughs> they would I mean, today. maybe not. Maybe but not. I'll buy that. Know. I'll bite that. I'm just saying. But it's it's a great it does a good job of causing stress oh, on the yeah. viewer during that scene. More because so again, than the chase at the end of the first one, in my opinion. It's uh, more tense to me. It's more tense than that first I can't movie I can't agree with chasing. you on that. Huh? It's it's good though. It is good. Okay. It just again, I feel it doesn't quite capture it's more claustrophobic. I guess it depends on your fear. It is. Your... Yes. Okay. I so agree with that because you're in a closing space versus trying to, you know, yeah. in a neighborhood. And because he is walking slower, it obviously means he's also closer to her at all times. Sure. But then again, you know, you can take into account that, you know, he's been shot many yeah. times tonight, you know. Right. He's, he's, he's a little more robotic. <laughs> well. <laughs> a lot more robotic. A lot more. I, I don't have an explanation for the roboticness of well, Walk just, other and that's just Dick Warlock opposed yeah. to Nick Castle, but to me it worked. I like the way he walks in this one equally or or better than Nick Castle. Just I mean, that's where I'm at with it. Okay. But I will say during this chase scene, 
this is another moment where I feel like the score it works. Yeah. It yeah. adds to the scene. Yeah. Even though it's got the synth video game vibe to it, it adds that tension to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 nice. And I agree pairing. that him with Alan Howarth adding in like, you know, a beat, mm-hmm. it helps. It yeah, helps rather it. than just your dun 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 you've got right. like the you know behind it and it's yeah yeah no i agree it's got an extra depth to yeah i agree i agree with you on that dr loomis please listen to me there's a file on michael myers that nobody knew about i've seen everything no no it was hidden sealed by the court after his parents were killed now after the governor heard what happened tonight he authorized dr rogers to open it what file it isn't fair. They should have allowed you to examine everything. That girl, that Strode girl, that's Michael Myers' sister. She was born two years before he was committed. Two years after his parents died and she was adopted by the Strodes, they requested that the records be sealed in order to protect the family. Jesus, don't you see what he's doing here in Haddonfield? He killed one sister 15 years ago, now he's trying to kill the other... Tonight, after I shot him, where did they take her? The clinic. The clinic? Where? Do you know this area well? A little bit. Where's the hospital located? Dr. Loomis, we're under orders from the governor. It's back on Route 17, about three miles. Turn this car around now. I can't do that. I've got orders. Those orders just change. Dr. Loomis. Doctor, you're getting yourself into a lot of trouble. What does you fellas usually do? Fire a warning shot, right? So now we finally get the reveal that... Michael Myers and Laurie Strode are siblings, which is only known under the super-secret file that was sealed by the courts that even Dr. Loomis wasn't aware of. Do you guys feel that this is plausible enough? Or do you guys like the newer timeline that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride had with their Uh, spin, where they aren't related? I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. I plead the fifth uh, until we get done with the series. Okay, um, do you feel that... Okay, then the first part of the question. Do you feel that this secret file being closed off from the courts, is it plausible enough for you in this movie? you got to establish that they're related, I guess. I mean, if that's the way you're going to take it, you know. And it's it, it, was, it was the main storyline for so, so long, you know. How many sequels did right. it have that storyline for? Right. Um... But the sealing of the documents, I don't know. The parents wanted the the the, the paper sealed, the, the the adoption sealed to right. protect the family. Only the governor. How did the governor know about it, though? You know. Well, I mean, word I mean, got out. Michael a big Myers shit storm happening in Haddonfield. Yeah. I, I guess. I mean, it, it's. I it's, feel it's plausible. I'm like sixty forty on it. It's plausibility. Sixty forty. Okay. So. Where it, you at, King? It never occurred to me once that this wasn't plausible. I understand. Yeah. When yeah. I first viewed it, when I first viewed it, I was like, "Oh, okay. Wow, I mean, that's his brother. It was, just, it was one of their brothers and like, sister. Whoa, you know? whoa, that's holy big, shit! You know? Right. But now I'm like, eh, it's kind of, I don't know. It's flimsy. It's yeah. weak. It's. Yeah. It, it, it's I don't feel like that. I don't feel like it's flimsy. Okay. I guess back in the '80s, you know, it was 
Well, a big shocking reveal. That would be a nice little twist. You and know? this they was didn't right use around, that very often, I guess. Right. Well, yeah. and this was around the time Luke when your father yeah. exactly. Okay. That's exactly it. And that was right around the same time when right. this was you know a thing. And yeah, apparently, John was drinking Budweiser by the six pack every right. night while he was trying to write, and he just didn't quite have his muse. And you know, he kind of mailed it in a little bit here. Yeah. But this is still, I mean, it's still good, and, uh, you know... Uh, it never took me out of the movie. I mean... Not enough. No, not no. enough. I mean, I, I do bet, see... I bet. I bought... Yeah, I did too. I, I mean, hook, line, and sinker, just like everybody else. I mean, it was just like, oh my god. Right? That's but, all you got. <laughs> but, but knowing how, I mean, just how we are now, knowing what we know, did this sibling aspect need to even really... Did this have to be a part of this movie for it to make Michael want to pursue Laurie further? Just uh, other mm, than just the the thrill of the hunt. Got away, right? You know? Right. Uh, I think you could have got away with it. Definitely, you, they did. Well, they, yeah, they eventually did. You know, but I think you could have got away with it with here. this one. I think you could have. Sure. And I would have bought it just as easily as if they were siblings. I don't, I don't think it would have changed anything for me either. Okay. Oh, really? That's I can intri- accept that, that, that it could have been either way and I'd have been just satisfied. Okay. I enjoy this movie. There's a few of the sequels that I'm just not a big fan of, even though you know it's, it's still a part of the same storyline. Yeah. You know, I'm fine with them, them being brother and sister. Like I said, it's kind of weak writing, you know, almost. But... I'm I'm fine with it. Okay. It's cool. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, okay, Jimmy makes another appearance after Lori has hit herself in this vehicle. Jimmy gets in. It's a nice little jump scare, and he's, like, totally out of it. <laughs> Which is weird. Well, it, he's got a major Well, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I buy that. I okay, just don't yeah. buy that his entire backside isn't red at this point. <laughs> right. But... I love what they did with this scene with the horn because the entire time you're like, get off the freaking horn. He's yeah. going to hear you. That was at least seven, eight seconds, you know. Right. That I, I love that scene, though. But I don't like the way they follow it up. But that is, it's that moment where you're like, oh, my God, like, you can't, you can't do this. This yeah. is not okay. I love that, though. <laughs> I don't love that Lori follows that up with, being unable to find That's her voice. Talking. Yes, I don't like that. She didn't like it either. She didn't understand it. It was a huge plot issue with her, and she's like, why? And it, yeah. it, it serves a story. Uh, it irritates me, too. I don't like it. Yeah, come right. on. And as soon as they yeah, oh enter God. the doorway. As soon as the door shuts. She's able to. Yeah, and get, But voice. then we get a really cool... Michael Myers popping out with like a red light where he yep. looks demonic once yeah. again and it's cool and once again the hunt is on. I I like that. But backing up real quick, does Jimmy die? No. No? Uh, no, no. And now obviously so. with more scenes there is Yeah, a, when you get an extended scene you get the right. you get a kind of a it's like a jump, not a jump scare, it's a like carry a carry ending. No, yes, exactly. Uh, where he pops up, where they're in the Blame. ambulance together, and she's like, "We made it." It's it's. I don't yeah, like that. I don't either. like it either. No, I don't we like didn't it. get that. No, but I think he he lived. Yeah, you he think just he had a major concussion. He's just jacked up. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I, I I think he does too. But his selling of his injury is awkward. 
Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. A little bit. We revisit that Lori trying to get inside someplace with Michael Myers in pursuit, and she's trying right. to get into the hospital. And I like that. Again, it's a callback to the original. Yeah, it is. And and much like the the scene, the chase scene in the the basement of the hospital, the 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 score works here because it it adds that tension. It's the shape lurks theme. Yeah. And we get the unrealistic feet, but it's a cool <laughs> visual of him just walking right through the glass oh, door. Yeah. That is so cool, man. It is, like when I saw that, I was just like, "Whoa!" And that's of course, one of those. That's I still... why you know that backs up. You know, he he can't be burnt. You know, he cannot by, be, he can't be scalded. You know, yeah, right. It's that he's he's a juggernaut. Yeah, he he. You yeah. cannot stop even this. You can't kill the boogeyman, even though he's walking damn uh, right, extremely slow. <laughs> right. <laughs> It don't matter how slow he is. Right. He'll get you. But our our climax is trapped uh, in this ER room. And, again, we get... Operating theater. Yeah. <laughs> it's great tension. And you get to see how ruthless and how relentless Michael is here, you know. He, he just busts right through the door and... I don't know. It, it, it's just... You're scared. I'm scared. At this point, first time seeing this movie, at this moment, like, I am terrified. I'm like, there's, like, Loomis and Lori, they're not getting out of this. Right. Well, right. there's nowhere to go now. Right. Like, I'm genuinely scared for them, and I'm scared for myself as a viewer, because... What about the marshal? You scared for him? No, nah, he's dead meat. Yeah. You knew he was fodder. I like the scene when, um, this is, going back to, um... Like my one of my favorite scenes I think with I Loomis is uh, when they're in the car, mm-hmm. you know, and the big reveal of the you know the, the court documents and everything, and um, you know Loomis has points his gun gun at the marshal and everything. He's like, "Turn this car around, you know, we're going to the hospital." It's like I can't. What, like, what do y'all do? She's like, "What do y'all do? Fire a warning shot <laughs> right through the window." That's <laughs> hilarious. That's awesome. It is that's, good. That's my favorite scene of the movie with Loomis. Really? That's Hands cool. Down. I do like yeah, that. Fucking, that is cool. It's fantastic. <laughs> yep. But, uh... But yeah, the marshal, he's fodder, you know? You know yeah. he is. Especially when he's, he's, like, he's dead. Don't touch him! He's not breathing. <laughs> it's his! Well, he took his <laughs> he took his vice first. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, I should stay back, actually, you know? After right. everything's happened mm-hmm. tonight. <laughs> he deserves to die. I'm right. sure Loomis told him that he shot him six times on the way to the hospital. Probably. <laughs> I'm positive on it. And, you couldn't have shot him six times. And then, times. Right. And then deleted like, scenes like, in the archives. Did. He's like, maybe if you shot him seven. <laughs> right. He's like, but I didn't. I only shot him six times. I still only hold six shots. But I have issues, even though it's an awesome visual. Again, I have issues with Lori being a crack shot, and oh, she's, she's just yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, <laughs> just right in both eyes, man. I mean, she's <coughs> this. She's never shot a gun before, you know. No. Guess Again, being a uh, well, young, we, young viewer, we don't this. know that, but no, because you know. it's so cool. Because you get you get the bleeding from the eyes, which it's a great visual. But once you see it in high def, you can tell that Dick Warlock, he just had his eyes closed. And I yeah. guess what he had to do, there was like 
blood packs up like in the forehead and he just had to like press against and that's what started and then just kind of oozed out really cool though and then you get the yeah does that work for you Eh. because dick warlock hated it back in the day yeah i liked it it's fine but watching it now it's kind of eh. gone that's another one get out of here (laughs) yeah i would have cut that i'd cut that Maybe cut it down a little bit. Well, maybe. I'd make it just realistic, you know. Maybe get a couple you're, swings in. You're not really making a whole lot of sound when you're swinging, especially at just a scalpel, you know. True. Yeah. Now with a big like machete, you do make if you're swinging it hard. Yeah, you're gonna make a little sound. He's a force you know? of nature, though. He's he's, he's strong. He's the boogeyman. He can swing that thing and make a noise. That thing is <laughs> that thing is a quarter of an inch. Well, are you shitting me? Yeah, it's not cutting he, that much wind. He's a BMF man. <laughs> it's not cutting that much wind. Yeah, yeah. Do you think if he had his butcher knife, would it would have caught? Would it have? Yes, I, I'd buy it. Yeah. I would too. I'd buy it. I'd then. buy it better. I than don't buy it. I don't uh, buy that uh, shit. But it's an awesome visual. It. It's it's totally cool. <laughs> and uh, my chips were all in on this movie. And I right. liked how they were doing. You know, cat and mouse. You know, Loomis turned on the gas. Michael turned around. You know, because he's uh, blind and shit. Yeah. You know, so he's following the sounds of the gas turning on. Yep. It's fun. No, it is. I, I like it, you know, and we get, it's time, Michael, and then kaboom. Just of course, blowing up part gets of the out. hospital. She Lori does. Gets out before then. Oh, yeah. You know, and... Wait, sends her. Yeah. Now! Get out! Go! Get out! Yep. <laughs> but we get that visual of the burning Michael Myers just stumbling out of this inferno. Awesome. It is so awesome. It's, awesome it's the uh, best he's been killed in the franchise. I agree. All right. And, uh, you know, when we get that close-up of the mask burning, and it's like you can see like where it's just melting and mm-hmm. dripping. It's so it's so cool, man. And we get the... Mr. Sandman. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It, it, it honestly, I, this is one of my favorite finales to the franchise. Yeah. Um, I, I'd have to think about it, and we'll get to that in our, uh, our wrap-up after we do the, the newest oh, movie. Should it have ended just here? I don't know. Saying? No, I'm not oh, saying okay. that. No, I'm just yeah. saying as far as a finale to any oh. of the movies in the franchise, this is one of okay. my favorites, and I don't know exactly where I rank it. At this moment. I know where I rank it, but... Okay. You know. We'll get, it, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. But uh, this is the only Halloween movie to show the morning after the 31st. This actually ends on November 1st. Yep. Mm-hmm. No other Halloween movie ends like that. That, that was pretty interesting. Well, if you put... The, if you literally put the movies together, you know... Yeah, yeah makes sense. Did a big cut... Yeah, you know, that continuity. I love it. Man. It works. I yeah. and that's and that's why this movie gets held in such high regard that it does. Yeah. But I want to know, uh, going back to this alternate ending we have with Jimmy being in the ambulance, ambulance with Lori. Uh, do you know the potential direct connection between this movie and Halloween Four: The Revenge of Michael Myers? King. Jimmy is. Uh... Jamie Lloyd's father. Jimmy is Jimmy Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jimmy Lloyd. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. They don't, again, it's not one of those direct, like, oh, yeah, here it is, but it's right. kind of like a maybe a little wink, wink, and nudge, nudge, uh-huh. perhaps. And, and I and I like that. I, I, I like the subtleties, you know. They and, had to and, keep it in the family somehow. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, uh, well, it's not like Ben Tramer was alive. 
<laughs> Fair enough. But as we all kind of know now with uh, what the intentions were with the Halloween franchise moving forward, this was supposed to be it between, you know, with the storyline with Dr. Loomis and Laurie Strode and Michael yep. Myers. Yep. And uh, we'll find that out here with our next review uh, next Tuesday when we do Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. All right. Well, guys. Who wants to start the ratings and wrap-ups? All right. I guess I'll start it. Okay. Okay. Um, for continuity, this movie is almost flawless, you know. Um, the score, I am... I'm with the cane on this. I enjoy this. You know, I mean, I like the little upbeat because I do think, you know, getting six shots does change the mentality of the, you know, your your psyche is. I like that off the intensity now. You know? I like that. So you're more intense now. You're like, you shit. You know, you know, he's taking some damage. It's getting yeah. the threat level midnight up in here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I like that take when you have they have there. I like that a lot. Um. I'm, it, Dick Warlock, I, I I like his I like his take, but man, like I said, he just he walks a little too slow for me. Um, Jamie, I don't like the comatose Jamie, not a big fan of it. Yeah, but I still love this movie. There's some there's some of the greatest kills in this in this franchise, absolutely. Nurse Karen's mm-hmm. is you know my yeah. favorite in this movie. Cool. And then, of course, um, the the spine kill and everything. Um, in regards to oh, man, I I kind of want to say what where I have it ranked out of all of the <laughs> Halloweens, you know. Um, but this movie is coming in at an eight for me, an eight out of ten. Okay. Wow, nice. That is high regard. It is for high. I do I, I do enjoy this. This is great, you know, because it was all I knew. As a kid, you know, sure. that this was the next chapter, mm-hmm. you know, with this new, you know, Halloween 2018, you know, my thought has completely derailed off of, sure. you know, it's a whole different new timeline. Yeah. You know, it's given me a whole new way to think about Halloween franchise completely, but I do enjoy this. This was my sequel to Halloween mm-hmm. and I love the, just the fact that the continuity is so tight, you know, it plays yeah. right off each other. Um, but yeah, Dick Warlock, he, he he's top three. Michael Myers for me. Okay. Well, that's an easy statement. Well, he's <laughs> he's third. I'll say that. Okay. Okay. But All right. this movie comes in at eight out of ten. That's a nice score, man. Yep. Yep. Good call. So we're going to do it a little differently here because The King, this is a special movie for him, and we recognize that, and we're going to honor that. <laughs> so I'm going to go... Second here, it's so, a ten. <laughs> <laughs> I rated it ten out of ten. <laughs> no, but uh, I watched it ten times. It's a ten out of ten. I've watched it, I ten, watched times. it ten times. <laughs> yes, but Halloween two from nineteen eighty one was written by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter, directed by Rick Rosenthal, and this was his first feature film. Rated R with a runtime of an hour and 32 minutes and was released on October 30th, 1981 on an estimated $2.5 million budget. And it grossed about $7.4 million its opening weekend and grossed about $25.5 million worldwide. And it was the second highest grossing movie, that was a horror movie, in 1981 behind An American Werewolf in London. 
Great movie. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. There's a special effects special extravaganza. Great. Yes. Rick Baker. But uh, And it also uh, outdid a lot of other horror heavies that year. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 2, My Bloody Valentine, The Omen 3, The Howling. I love The Omen 3. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, it did well. It did well. Um, it is currently not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it on Amazon Prime for three ninety nine, and you can buy it for nine ninety nine. IMDb has this rated as a six point five out of ten with a meta score of forty, Rotten Tomatoes score of twenty eight percent, which is really low, with an audience score of sixty three percent. As I've already said, this was my introduction to the Halloween franchise with Michael Myers, and I stayed up late one night on a Saturday and uh, watched it on USA Network, and it scared the ever-loving shit out of me. <laughs> and uh, for the longest time, this was the undisputed best sequel in the Halloween franchise for me. But that's changed. Ooh, it has changed, obviously. <laughs> now, yes, this movie has its flaws and has some shortcomings, but there are so many scenes, characters, moments that shine and stand out in this movie. And not just in the movie, but in the entire series, as we've all, you know, kind of talked about. And it does get a lot of things right where other slasher sequels didn't and subsequently failed miserably, generally speaking. And even though John Carpenter didn't direct this, there's enough of his thumbprint on this, you know, with producing and composing and writing, to know that it's akin to this predecessor, even though it strays massively from the original's values of less is more, yes. and almost no gore at all. This is a must-see if you enjoyed the first movie and you want to see more of that fateful October 31st, 1978 in Haddonfield, Illinois. It is a solid follow-up to a modern classic masterpiece where sequels weren't commonplace. And I'm going to come in with a 7.5 out of 10 on this. Wow. Really? Yes. I got it ranked higher than you. No, 7.5. I have it at an 8. Yeah. Oh, you okay. I bet yeah. you said, okay, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I can't hear. I'm deaf. I know. You're colorblind. I'm colorblind and deaf. Yeah, Couldn't no. Hear. Couldn't see your words. Yeah. <laughs> but no, 7.5 out of 10. This is an absolute must-watch. It is such a fun movie. Like I said, it, it, it's hard to not acknowledge that this was the first one that I saw. You know, Dick Warlock was the first Michael Myers I ever got to see. But oh. with seeing the other movies and digesting everything that all of the series has given me, I recognize where this movie lacks. But, again, it succeeds in a lot of places. Right so, here we go. King, take us home. All right, well... Uh... You know, less isn't more for me. I like uh, I like my action, I do too. and this like movie keeps me busy from the get go to the end. And this is more of a priority during the Halloween season for me to watch than the first one, just because I know, like this I compared it last week. This is Avengers Endgame. This is the <laughs> you know the the sequel that completely goes along with the first one to perfection in my eyes. Well, yeah, it's going to be fast-paced, you know, off the get-go, you know, if, you know, continuity. It, yeah. Right. It's, it's to me, the best sequel of any movie ever made. It is wow. the best sequel to me of Hold any on. movie ever made. Hold on. Uh, so, you're going to tell me. This is better than a sequel than Terminator 2 to Terminator. Is this a better sequel this is, to this is my, uh, later, uh, The Last Crusade? 
This is my love Raiders. interest. I mean, Halloween is this franchise. Is back, back to the Future 2 to Back to the yeah, Future 1? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the question you needed to ask, yeah. Hmm. For for me to give you the right answer, that's the question you needed to wow. ask. Because Back to the Future, I hold in just as high regard. And, uh, to wow. me, this is okay. the best, best sequel of any movie ever made. Devils Rejects to House of Thousand yeah, absolutely. Corpses. That's not even a close call. The ending's the only cool part of that to me. Oh, the pre-bird my scene. goodness. Are you it's an okay... No, no, no. I Are love you... House of Thousand Corpses more than I do. I do. Devil's really? Rejects. I like the ending, but I, I don't care for it. Okay. The... But right. as a sequel, it's inferior to Halloween 2 of 81. That is king, man. You are just you are slamming us with some stuff here, and I mean, I respect it, man, because I mean, you know, you know, movies, man. I love the Halloween too. Okay, it's it's, awesome. Well, let's get the rating, man. Let's get it. It's a ten. Ah, I can't tell you that I loved the first one, and it was a ten, and not say that this one was wasn't a ten. I I just I needed to hear it. You knew it. You knew it. The hitchhikers needed to hear it. You know, you're going to hear some tens out of Halloween for me because ten, this is my love. Ten, ten. This is my love you interest. Get a ten. You get a ten. Everybody gets a ten. <laughs> Guys, Halloween is my my horror love interest. Yeah. Okay. We know we're surrounded All by right. it right now. Well, I feel they the didn't love. make a bunch of sequels to Christine, so I can't uh, call it my favorite franchise. <laughs> sure. But Halloween is definitely my favorite franchise, and and I have a lot of love for Part Two, just as much as I do for the first one. Equally, so hmm. awesome. I, I can right. I consider them one movie. It's the continuation of the first one, and I don't see I don't see all the the flaws. Okay, because I don't allow myself to because I love it. Awesome, it's a ten. The love is there. Awesome, cool man. I dig it, man. Cool. King coming yeah. in at a perfect ten out of ten on Halloween too. I love it. Nice. <laughs> all right, hitchhikers. Well, here we go. First episode in for. This is Halloween month. It's a little long, guys, but you know. Well, there's a lot. There's to a lot of information here, here yeah. you know, for two movies. I have a stuff. feeling it'll it'll have its following. Yeah, yeah. But this concludes our reviews of John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978 and Halloween Two from 1981, and we hope you enjoyed listening as much as we did discussing these two classic slashers. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast and be on the lookout for new announcements and updates. And be sure to also visit the King Art Facebook page that is linked to the Nostalgia Highway page where you can find a wide and ever-growing variety of fantastic artwork from the King himself. Especially from the Halloween franchise. Including this Halloween, uh, the Halloween 2 that um, Matt was discussing. Yeah, there's... With the, um, the sidecar... Oh yeah, I've done more than just that. Of Halloween too. But I wait, there's that, more. But that's a really good one <laughs> yeah. that you did. Yeah, that one's fantastic. It's hard to pick. You, I can't. I can't pick one. I've actually considered trying to draw the uh, the two scenes I've alluded to from the novel so far that I really enjoyed. The... Just just as a deep dive, fucking you know, art cut of something that people maybe wanted to see a visual of because it never got filmed. Right. That's cool. And I can create it on paper. Mm. Now you we'll, got me. We'll see. Create. We'll see. You should do that, man. It's it's in my it's in my dossier of things nice. to come possibly. Awesome. Yeah, dude. All right. So you can also email us at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail and we're also on Twitter now. Our username is at highwaynhp. So there's all kinds of ways to reach us, so any ideas or input on any older or newer episodes or any questions you may have, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And 
since we're going all out for October, for this is Halloween month, make sure to tune in to episode 21 that we will be releasing next week on Tuesday, October 8th, when we will review the standalone entry in the Halloween franchise, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch from 1982. Starring the mustache himself. That's right. <laughs> right? So, on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave King of the Road, I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll catch you next time out on the highway. I like Halloween too. It's fucking awesome. You guys are wrong. What are you talking about? Wrong. I'm coming in at a seven point five. That's a weak seven. You have rated shit higher than this that I know better than. I know better that you like this than that. I rank this the the same same as I do. It's just I don't have a beef with you. Seven point five. I have a beef with seven point five. Seven point five is fighting. Your beef is. I can't say.